0: Hello, 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 and welcome to the latest episode of Film Fives. With me Russell Guyver and my fellow podcaster, co-host and film buff Matey, it's Phil Newman. Hi, Phil. Good evening. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Good to be back.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's been a it's been a January of uh, lots and lots and lots of twenty twenty three films. Yes, yeah. my my, my New Year's Eve. I I kind of sat down with my wife and we watched four films back to back, starting at about lunchtime and then finishing <laughs> at, at, at about yeah about about midnight or something like that yeah and and I'm three of, three of the films that I watched that day are actually in my top five so
0: oh wow so it's well worthwhile yeah. and obviously January is is the rest of the catch up on the stuff you couldn't see at the cinema yeah yeah definitely out or whatever yeah. and all the, all the rest of it. Um, There are
1: two films that I haven't managed to see that I wanted to, so that they won't be on my list. Um, And both of them are Japanese. So I have not had the opportunity to see The Boy and the Heron. um, And I haven't had the opportunity to see Godzilla minus one. But I have had the chance to watch everything else that I wanted to.
0: Yeah, I am more or less in the same boat. I have seen The Boy and the Heron. I haven't seen Godzilla either. So apologies to any massive Godzilla well, this, this I've heard a lot of good
1: things about the, 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 yeah. the Godzilla minus one. Yeah, it sounds like my sort of thing. So, interesting,
0: at some it? point because in the next couple of months, yeah. Because I mean, the story is originally Japanese. Then they had the Hollywood makeovers, of course. And this uh, is the Japanese live action. Japanese I mean. again. Yeah, but part of the same world, the same modern world of it. Isn't yeah. It? Something. Anyway, that's one for for later on, of course. Um, footnotes, by the way, from the Christmas one before we get into this. I have finally managed to see Klaus and I, I admit that's a good shout actually. It was a oh, good great film. I don't think it would have made my five, so I'm glad I, I'm, I'm not kind of gutted to have missed something I yeah. should have in that respect, but it was good fun. It's
1: it's proper uh, Christmas film, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And Violent Nights, which was uh, quite throwaway fun. It was quite, quite entertaining. A yeah. <laughs> Nothing special. Um, so with this one, yeah, we've got, we've got our films of 2023. As always, it's from the year uh, released in the UK. Yes. As officially described on IMDB sites. So that's the way we do it. So yeah. if you looking for films, it's just under where it says details, quite a long way down on the, uh, on the, on uh, the, Front page of any film. Uh, Look down yeah. the details. It says UK release date. So some of these are really close to the bone. Uh, one film we were talking about off-air is Society of the Snow, which um, technically was released officially in the, this year, so it won't count for the twenty-twenty yeah. we're going to talk about. But it was, as you said, there was a couple of previews or things that were in twenty-twenty-three before yeah, we ignore this. release. It's on that. Uh, that may or may not be on the list next year. <laughs> Good yeah. film though yeah good film and um yeah, I mean, so that that's our our usual criteria for the films of the year, and um we're we're getting ahead of steam up here aren't we we're getting one on a regular monthly basis at the moment, which is nice, definitely <laughs> yeah. And uh, as with tradition, we alternate who starts as they count down their fives down to ones. And it's your turn to have first dibs on your number five, isn't it, Phil? So we're going to come to that shortly. But first of all, as is tradition, you've got an intro, which you were panicking that I've forgotten, which I nearly did I have.
1: (laughs) The normal intro. So, yeah, 2023, the year that both Disney and Warner Brothers uh, celebrated their centenary. Um, It's also kind of known as being the year for the box office bomb. There were more of them in 2023 than ever before, mainly down to a mixture of high budgets because quite a lot of these were filmed during the COVID years and also low marketing due to lots of strikes and the Hollywood labor disputes, meaning people couldn't go out and advertise them. So there is a new word I've discovered called the flop buster, (laughs) which describes... A long list of films that came out in 2023 that didn't get anywhere near making their money back. So this includes Ant-Man 3, Fast X, Little Mermaid, Transformers, The Flash, Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, Blue Beetle, The Marvels. Pretty much all of the big blockbusters died at the cinema. I mean, a lot of them made quite a lot of money, but not as much as they, they were expected to.
0: Yeah. Okay. excellent. Fantastic.
1: Uh, So in terms of the highest grossing movies of 2023 at the international box office, uh, number 10, Mission Impossible, number nine, The Little Mermaid, number eight, The Wandering Earth 2. That's a Chinese film. The first film is available in the UK on Netflix based on the Sichin Liu book. Uh, He will become a lot more famous in a couple of months, that particular writer, when the three body body problem program turns up on Netflix. Uh, and number seven is another Chinese uh film, a historical one called Full River Red. Number six, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, the uh, animated uh film. Number five, Fast X. Number four, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Number three, Oppenheimer. Number two, Super Mario Brothers. And number one, Barbie. Yeah. Make of that what you will. Um, yes, yeah, so. People who uh, we have lost, I've got a list of the obituaries uh, from Mm. 2023, all very, very sad. Uh, Some of these uh, um, actors and actresses and directors are also known for the TV work. So people we lost, Matthew Perry, Tina Turner, Raquel Welch, Tom Wilkinson, Lee Sung-kyun, if you're not sure who that is, that was the the, the posh guy in in Parasite. Uh, Ryan O'Neill, Joss Ackland, Richard Roundtree, Piper Lurie. Burt Young, Michael Gambon, David McCallum, William Friedkin, Paul Rubens, Alan Arkin, Julian Sands, Linda Jackson, Ray Stevenson, Barry Humphreys, Lance Reddick, Tom Sizemore and Topple.
0: Hmm. Oh, yeah. a long yeah. old list. and all quite depressing. Yeah. yeah. And um, did you say Jane Birkin as well? I can't remember who you said that. Just I didn't know. Leela, sorry, Gina Lollipigida. Uh, The great Italian, rather glamorous, voluptuous uh, Italian actress of the sort of mainly 60s, 70s era. She was a gorgeous lady, but a very good actress as well in loads of uh, mainly sort of famous Italian films, but also crossed over into Hollywood. Um, Yeah, Burt Bacharach as well uh, on that list. um, People that had kind of film connections. I think you've you've covered pretty much everything I've got listed down as well here. Um, you've you've missed out not nothing to do with film, but Rolf Harris. Uh, that's probably just as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Um, I suppose you, on a very tenuous film link, you could say Silvio Berlusconi. There was a film made about him, so <laughs> that's sort of on there. Okay. One of view um but yeah some great some real greats there as well i mean obviously freaking joss joss ackland is a great actor who's always a uh, really really good in everything he was in he was never a leading man type as far as i know right. he was always a solid you I, I remember when he was a lot of an older actor in solid, yeah. secondary key roles if that makes sense um yeah always pretty like good like
1: binnett's head's bogus journey
0: yeah yes <laughs> well yes <laughs> Yes, I'm not sure that's what he's most famous for, but there we go. <laughs> Michael Campbell, of course, a, a massive name as well in the world of film. Um, such a shame, yeah. There's so many more besides as well from sort of further down the rankings of the film yeah. world, um, but all who have outstanding contributions. Yeah, such a shame about Tom Wilkinson as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. Ray yeah. Stevenson was the one I couldn't believe. He just seemed to be in so many, not exactly good, but fun things recently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really shame. Um, I mean, on the other hand, in another way, we're arguably losing Michael Caine. He's go—he's going strong. He's into his nineties, and he's officially retired, retiring. He so, if that's true, then um, you know, well done for him on a fantastic long career. But uh, a shame to lose him from the film world if that's the case. But he's—I mean, he's made so many films; it's ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? We, we, I'm sure, in one way or another, we'll be mentioning his last film, *Great Escaper*. Whether it'll be on our lists or not, oh, well, it won't be on mine because that's one one of the films. It I, won't be on mine. I haven't know, seen see. it either. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know he's going on strong, isn't he? Uh, way way on. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Um, so um, before I launch straight in, what are you drinking? You on the wine tonight?
0: I'm on the wine. Yeah, I'm, I'm going discerning, Phil, Um I'm trying to calm down on the beers, not drink too many beers. Um, it's just slightly more <laughs> So you're clugging the I'm, wine instead, yeah, which is less unhealthy. So I'm in the Chateau de Titre Belair, I think that's pronounced, um, which you won't be able to see properly on uh, Okay, on there. But I mean, there we go, yeah, a bit of red. Um pretty nice actually. As I remember you once saying a uh, rather amusingly and startlingly pleasant drop. <laughs> it is a pleasant drop. <laughs> Words I never thought I'd hear coming out of your mouth. <laughs> Especially in a curry oh. house. <laughs> yeah, I've
1: gone old school. I'm on the Thickston Old Peculiar. I haven't drunk it for years, and I saw some available. for thought, you know what? I've been drinking all these craft beers recently. I'm going to go old school tonight. Go yeah, out on why the not? ales. Why not? So, thought... anyway, 2023, I think I've seen somewhere between 60 and 70 films uh, released in the UK. Um, I'll give you a warning, and this this is a quite a big clue for some of the films that are going to be turning up. I've worked out the average length of my top five films and it's two hours and 45 minutes there yeah. were a lot of long films in, in
0: 2023 there were so you can probably
1: lot. guess what films that I'm, I'm going to be going through already yeah but um, there,
0: were, there were a lot of long films and on, in terms of numbers i've probably seen uh i haven't counted up but in terms of new releases probably something in the region of probably 70-ish i think 70 yeah. um there's a lot of films come out each year yes <laughs> and there's no way we're comprehensively watching all of them even though we're, we're the top five so. yeah
1: and then we can do the hmm. notable uh, mentions at the end i'm going my prediction i reckon we're going to have three of the same films oh we shall wait and see i think i'd always go for that on the, on the annual one we, we shall wait we shall wait and see so uh Um, unless you've got anything else i think it's on to my number five
0: yeah well i'm I'm just going to say i'm going to predict i've got um i've got two of the same i think i'll go more conservative on the matching okay anyway we'll see yes over to you phil for your first to start this week aren't you
1: so my number five um is a film called past lives which has received a lot of attention recently i don't it doesn't seem, in talking to people, that popular a film, not many people seem to have heard of it, but all the critics seem to uh, absolutely love it. It's uh, up for a couple of Oscars, I think. Um, it, I, I thought, originally thought it was a, a South Korean film, but it's actually an American film, I think. Um, it's the mm-hmm. story of Nora and Sung, two deeply connected childhood friends who are arrested apart after Nora's family emigrates from South Korea to canada when they're about 12 um 20 years later they are reunited for one fateful week as they confront notions of love and destiny um it's written and directed by celine song who i'd never heard of before it's her feature directorial debut um i'm led to believe it's semi semi-autobiographical and inspired by real uh, events in her life she is south korean and canadian um, starring Greta Lee as Nora and Ted Yu apologies if I'm not pronouncing this right as uh, Ahi um, and then John Magaro as Arthur who uh, towards the end of the story becomes, comes in as Nora's husband um, it's a bit of a different film it's set in kind of three different time periods you have you see, you see them in South Korea talking in South Korea, and obviously with subtitles for the first bit of the film. and Then they split up, and then twelve years later, they kind of reconnect when Facebook start first kind of kind of hit hit the world. Um, and they kind of worked out that they could kind of reconnect and so they start calling each other and then they have a bit of a falling out and then another, tw- I'm trying not to do spoilers here and another 12 years later they kind of reconnect again and he comes over to kind of visit her and it's it's a kind of a really interesting uh, inter- interesting film, reminds me quite a lot of a kind of Corrieda film it's got that kind yeah. of slice yes. of life feel yeah, about yeah. it um, it's brilliantly put together thoroughly believable,
0: very very watchable um yeah, a very, very good film indeed. Yeah, um, it is an excellent film. It may feature in my top five. That might be one of our matches, Phil. We have to wait and see later on. Um, but I, as you can tell, I haven't got it at number five, that's for sure, because I would have mentioned yeah. that at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly been very well received by the critics. You're right, it's probably not got a huge widespread knowledge amongst the general populace, but um, certainly critics have loved it. Peter Bradshaw, the great um, film critic with um, oh, the, Guardian, the
2: Guardian. Yeah.
0: yeah. He's done a really good article on it. I've got that here actually. It says um, slowly and quietly this year, the film Past Lives from Korean Canadian Dramatists. And director Celine Song has been working its discreet magic. Pretty much every new audience member has been turned into a convert, recommending it to a handful more who join this film's growing congregation of fans that can hardly describe the spell it has cast over our hearts. This is partly a deeply romantic and sad movie about lost love and mischances. It's also a kind of reverie about alternative existences and what ifs in life's paths. Yeah, and it, it's a more urgent question for first and second generation immigrant communities in the US. They may well, uh, as they grow into their 30s and 40s, consider the question if they'd stay behind, who even am I? So it's all, yeah, I mean, it very much is about uh, identity um and, well, shifting identities, actually, as it says in the title uh, caption to that article, Um, and love with beguilingly simple means. It is a charming little film, isn't it? Yeah. Excellently acted. It- really it's brilliant i've never
1: seen anybody in it in anything else i've never seen or anybody associated with this film i've never seen or heard anything by and it's kind of come out of nowhere and um, yeah i think it's been nominated for best original screenplay and best picture and Mm -hmm. it's not been nominated for best picture in the foreign language film it's in the best picture
0: yeah you know
1: which is which Which, is right it's where it should be
0: Absolutely. I mean, I've probably said it on here before and I'll say it again that um, I'm not a fan of the Oscars at all. I think they're um, a total waste of time, actually, in one sense. I mean, obviously, there is a reason for them in terms of bigging up the industry. So I could see that point. But in terms of critical perfection, if you want to call it that, I think they more often than not get things wrong. But it can be quite sappy and sentimental yeah and it's timing and it's you yeah. see you you rush to watch stuff that you wouldn't have seen and you've watched in a hurry isn't the right way to judge things which is what a lot of yeah. the academy members do um, but also the yeah the thing about foreign language films being in their own section or another section why is it a different section obviously because it's Hollywood American orientated but yes. I wouldn't have that I'm more of a period. I'm hoping
1: now we're in a post parasite world then
0: yeah I was gonna, just going to say that yeah, led the yeah. that led the way to a more recent fashion for this kind of foreign language crossing over into the main category of best film yeah and it really is I mean it's so it's charming right to the so the tilt is it's kind of.
1: It's so it's so believable. It almost feels like you're watching a, a documentary even down to the when you can see them on their old versions of Facebook, you know, try, trying to become friends and things like that in the old, on old computers and old laptops and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, it, it's got it's got it, it, all of the details are just yeah. absolutely spot on.
0: That sense of time and place and the crossover, the romantic crossover in a global world now with, as you said, the internet and how they communicate and get back in touch, as loads of people have done at various points since the the social media age first came out with Facebook and whatever else. Um, and it's just really charming and kind of it's, it tells its story at its own pace. It's not rushing the story. As, as a feature debut, this is um, commendable. I mean, there's been, yeah. there's been a huge number. I haven't got the details or the names to hand, but there's been a huge number... Of female directors coming on the scene, a lot of them in their first making yeah, yeah. in this this past year and the, the year before that. In the last couple of years, it's been,
1: and it's been really awesome. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean, in the past, you go all Catherine Bigelow and uh, Sophia Coppola and one or two others, and that was it. But now there's loads and loads of people making really interesting films. Yeah. I think. You talked about the Flockbusters, which is a great expression, by the way. Um, but I think this is the era more than ever for smaller films, more independent, more intimate type of films, um, which can maybe find their market on the small screen with streaming. Yeah. I still go and watch all of that stuff in, in a cinema, a community cinema, Manian in Crouch End, which is great. The Art House. Yeah so those guys they're brilliant um but you can see them in all sorts of decent cinemas as well and those those independent films are really holding their own now i think there was a good little spurge of them in the late 90s and early noughties um coming from america but now they're coming from all over the place yeah and I think maybe maybe distribution um in terms of foreign films is got better as well because it feels as if there's more choice in that regard too but this one, yeah, I absolutely love it. I think it's a charming film. Yeah, very good choice. Yeah,
1: ninety six percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Yeah, well, I'm. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good going. It's funny you mentioned Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think I've referenced them before, but I was just about to when I come to my number five. Um, but I don't know if you've got any more to say on past lives. No, it's it's
1: a great film. It's a great date movie. I think mm. you know it's a good one to sit down and, and watch with your your significant other or on a- your own.
0: Yeah, and it, I mean it's three characters, isn't it? It's the two lost friends coming back together, but yeah, she's married to a Canadian guy, and um, he's played by the guy I can't remember his name, but he's in John
1: Legarre, um, yeah,
0: Legarre, who's in um, um, Umbrella Academy as a kind of like a, a slightly uh, shadowy figure who seems a nice. Oh, okay, I oh, watched first series of that. I, yeah, I can't remember. Can't remember him. I don't think he was in the first one. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. Yeah. But but he's he's a good actor. Another solid kind of you know. Uh, yeah, an actor with uh, you know it's just going to be good in those kind of roles, and um, it's a, so it's a three-hander, really, isn't it? from yeah. So yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Brilliant. Back to yourself, uh, number right.
0: five. Number five. Right. I wonder if this will be one of the ones you've predicted in my top five. If it is, then you might be right with your prediction of three. If it isn't, it's going to be two. I think. Um, it's a film that's got one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, actually.
1: Okay.
0: And it's Japanese, and it's uh, Junkhead. Have you heard of it? Have you seen it? I've
1: never even heard of it.
0: Yeah, I had a feeling that might be the case. It's a bit under the radar. It's actually a 2021 film, but it was only released in the UK okay. last year, thus qualifying. Um, and I've uh, it was released at the cinema this year. Um, it's a 2021 film. It's Japanese. It's stop motion animation, which I'm always a big fan of. Yeah, I love and it. You've got your Wallace and grommets, and you've got Ray your... Harryhausen. Oh, we got to do him at some point, haven't we? Definitely. Yeah. Um, but this this is more in the tradition of um, I can't I think Tetsuo I don't know if you ever saw those yes, what well,
1: the body the yeah that was a black and white like film, a,
0: very strange black and white, black and white film wasn't it horror, the, kind of the body action, horror the film action, yeah it yeah it's a bit weird it's a little bit of that and it's a little bit of I mean a lot of people won't have heard of this but uh, Jan Svankmeyer, who's a Czech stop motion animation director and creator he's um this is very similar to that it's lots of kind of rusty bolts and. Sort of like urban kind of sort of junkyard vibe yeah. to it, I think is probably the best way to describe it. It's a really odd little film, but it's in completely engaging and absolutely I love it. Um, it is written and directed by Takahide Hori. It's based on his own 2013 short film called Junkhead One. Interestingly, I don't know what happened, whether it was a Junkhead <laughs> Two or not. Um, and it's got 140,000 stop motion shots in a 101-minute film, which wow. is kind of like half the course for that length yes. film. Obviously, not that I'm an expert on that subject, but I'm sure that sounds right. It's set in, um, it's kind of like a futurescape, and it's got a very subterranean feel. So you've got this odd little kind of almost robotic type of, but also slightly organic sort of figure called Junkhead, who's sort of made of junk, it seems. Yes. A little bit like, um, there's a little bit of wall about this as well, in a very vague sort of way. And he's um, just knocking about underground and he's got this little arbitrary job to do and he's doing his bits and pieces and he's in his own little pocket of this world and then there's other figures and characters who are in their other own little pockets of this world and you get these strange worms that if you're not careful come out of little holes and grab you. (laughs) So that's the sort of backdrop to it all. It's set in a sort of like um, a future world type of setup really I suppose is the way to describe it. And I mean, Wiki says... Um yeah, sort story set in a distant future world where humans have received longevity but lost their fertility and are nearly extinct by population decline, okay. which is quite a, a theme that comes up a lot actually, doesn't it? yeah um, various guises from um Utopia to uh uh what's it called? The House uh, the Handmaid's Tale, and um, those sort yeah. of things. Um director guillermo del Toro, who of course we both love. Yes. Um positively reviewed the film and it won three awards it was said by the director to be part of a trilogy which is why that junk had one thing from the original yes. short film just to read on actually from wiki it says uh, of the production, not only the direction and scenario writing, but almost all the work, including voices, sculpting puppets, lighting, camera operating, editing, composing, music, were in the beginning done by Hore alone. At first, he assumed, like most people, that films are not a one man project. Then, hearing that Makoto Shinkai had made his first film, Voices of a Distant Star, which I've not seen, uh, by himself, and inspired in Sh- by Shinkai's story, he decided to try to make a film and ventured into the world of filmmaking at almost 40 years old, which is great, isn't it? Um, however, yeah. he had neither the knowledge nor the experience in filmmaking and was entirely self-taught. It took him four years to make a short version of the film, which we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, he made a long version for theatrical release with a small team. It took around seven years to complete the final product, and the short version released in 2013. Long version was released in it says here 2017. Inter- interestingly, so I don't I'm not sure why it said 2017 okay. elsewhere, but anyway, the, the point is that it's um, it's a, it's a, a labour of love. These things always are stop motion animation. Yeah. as anyone that knows anything about artman will know, it's a lot of painstaking work and it's fiddling around with figures. But this film delightful. It's just so quirky. There's lots of really oddball activities going on and the humour in it and the little funny asides and actions and activities that are going on make it utterly delightful.
1: Oh, brilliant. I, mean, I watched I watched a, a similar... Obviously, I haven't seen it. I watched a similar-sounding film recently. Have you seen uh, Marcel the Shell with boots on?
0: Yes, yeah, so I was going to mention that later. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah. I mean very different type of film, but in a in a way they've got a lot of yeah. common traits, which are they're they're very quirky, they're very weird, they're very offbeat.
1: They've come from a short by someone who doesn't seem to have done anything before.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And, they're, and they're both very lovable in very different yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um which again, yeah, it was a short film made into a longer version. And I actually I saw the short film of Marcel after something else uh, it was on the it was on the same bill at the local cinema I was talking about, um it was sort of tagged on as an after film. It was really weird Oh, sorry but uh, beforehand so it 's almost yeah. like the old days when you have a short film before the feature um with this film, junkhead, they did have um a little um montage thing at the end where they show uh the, the whole creative process in fast. Yeah. Basically, you know, um, so you you just see the whole development, and you you realise just how much work goes into it, and it's incredible. He's created a whole world that is not like anything. Else. You can there's shades of shades of other things, but it's really not like any other world you've seen, even Wall E, which is probably the most similar in terms of the yeah. the world it inhabits. The premise, yeah, still very different. Um the synopsis actually, um, it's um, basically the protagonist is a cyborg, sorry, a cyborg explorer, is the way Wikipedia described it. Um, He enters an underground world where artificially created species live. His mission is intended to research for their secrets of productivity. As the story goes on, it becomes gradually clear that the underground world is a kind of dystopia, where dangerous monsters roam, that's the worms and so on. Um, Rome or Ambush, and that the artificially created intelligent species developed a unique society. The story ends in an unexpected manner. I won't mention what that's about, but yeah. uh, I like the fact it's got an interesting ending as well. And it says, Director Holly noted that the film was the first part of the trilogy, which we mentioned already. Um, and the reception it got is that, um, grotesque but humorous, uh, one reviewer said apparently. Um, it's, it's had other, um interesting quotes but generally it's had a good reception it's not very well known as no i've never even heard of it yeah it's one of those yeah um i didn't pick it out just to be clever i generally did just brilliant i'll have to watch my top five yeah and um yeah it's, it's funny that uh it's another Japanese film that um, you've not seen. <laughs> so yes, we're picking on the Japanese. Uh, did you see Broker, by the way, the other Corriera film?
1: Yeah, that was that came very close to my top five. Yeah. I thought that was oh, yeah. that was fantastic. Oh, I thought the, the couple of films that he made leading up to that, I didn't think were as good. The French one and one of the other ones. But I thought that 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 was a a real return to form. I thought that was fantastic.
2: Really? That was
1: very close to that was probably
0: my ninth set at number seven or something yeah oh yeah yeah um i mentioned rotten tomatoes giving junkhead 100 num- uh, percent, which is quite commendable isn't it um it's kind of described as action adventure comedy sci-fi and obviously animation as well it's an hour and 55 minutes according to the um according to rotten tomatoes although i'm yeah. not sure it's quite right actually um but anyway yeah it's um Let's see if it's got anything else interesting in here. It says, it is such a consistently imaginative piece, and not just in terms of character design, but framing, editing, and the other elements needed to make a stop-motion feature work. And uh, there's another quote here saying, there is an undeniable dark maturity stemming from the post-apocalyptic undercurrent and junkhead search for meaning. Yet there is also warmth and charm amid the grisly grisly monster attacks. I think that kind of sums it up nicely, really. Yeah. yeah, Brilliant. So I would thoroughly recommend it if you can find it. Fantastic. I think it's on one of the main streaming sites. I can't remember which one. It might be Netflix, I think, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But seek it out. It's worth it.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's my sort
0: of thing. Yeah, you'll like it. You'll like it. Uh,
1: Back to me for number four then, a film that will surprise nobody. For my number four, I have gone for Killers of the Flower Moon. Ah yes, Uh Uh, the new, uh, the latest uh, Martin Scorsese film, uh, directed and produced by him. He also co-wrote the script, uh, based on the 2017 book of the same name by David Graham. So, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, it's a it's a it's a period piece Um, when oil is discovered in 1920s Oklahoma under Assange Nation lands. They were Native Americans. Mm -hmm. um, The Assange people are murdered one by one until the the FBI, and this is the the very beginning of the FBI. Nobody who meets them really, they didn't even know who they were or what they were or that they existed, and they sort of stepped they they stepped in to uh, to unravel the mystery. So, uh, as usual, being a Martin Scorsese film, it's Leonardo DiCaprio as as the uh, as Ernest Burkhart, the kind of main protagonist. Um, Robert De Niro playing his uh, uncle William King Hale. Uh, Lily Gladstone, who's absolutely fantastic, plays Molly Burkhart, his wife, yeah. um, and Jesse Clemens is uh, Thomas Bruce White, senior, the uh, the FBI agent yeah. on the investigation. Now, I mean, this film it's a proper Scorsese film. It, it, it's it's incredible immersive cinema. It is it does have some flaws. It is too long. Hmm. Um, but for a period piece, you are completely an athlete drawn into this world, and this is a world that I had no idea of whatsoever. Lee. says, I had no idea that there were almost billionaire Native Americans in the nineteen twenties who had lots of white people working for them until yeah. so they all started dying off one by one um, Amen. It, and the whole the look and the feel of it just feels. Absolutely spot on and perfect. It's, it's, it, it, it. I mean, it's got a real Western feel to it, but it doesn't feel fictional in any way. Again, it, it, you really feel like this is exactly what it looked like, felt, and how. All the performances are absolutely fantastic. It's, yeah. it's a
0: brilliant, brilliant, brilliant piece of work. Yeah, all, of, all of that cast. Well, obviously, you've got the the main female lead, lead is. Um, not known to many people now, but um, until now, but um, the others are obviously established well known names. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of others
1: you've got like John Lithgow turns up in it as a prosecutor yeah. in the trial. I, I yeah. didn't really recognize him at first, I've seen him anything. Well, Brendan Fraser plays uh, Robert De Niro's uh, uh, attorney. He's kind of having a oh, bit yeah. of a
0: career renaissance at the moment. Yeah. Because he
1: was in the whale
0: last year as well, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I agree with you. I didn't know much about that world. I mean, I knew the concept of people would have exploited um, Native Americans' land for oil, obviously, but the notion that they did actually get into wealthy status, um, I'm kind of almost surprised at not knowing either way. I'm kind of surprised to know they managed to prevail to some degree in some cases. Um, Yeah, it does have a sense of the the era. And we've done Westerns in the past, but I can't remember what we said about it now in terms of the... Uh, sort of the historical era where well, how you mark dates, yeah. but it's interesting those films there's been a few other ones isn't there like that which um There Will Be Blood kind of feels like yeah.
2: from
0: that era as well and there's something else the, the era the, the early motor cars and all that stuff is already on the scene and it's it yeah. very much rooted in the the western world so to speak of America yeah. Um it does have a really strong sense of place it didn't make my top five actually Phil I oh, okay. I was expecting one. that
1: too Okay. Yeah.
0: It, it was it was one of a number that missed out by a small margin in what I think was a really strong year. Uh, two or three reasons. I didn't quite engage with it as much as I think you did, although the, I did, I did the, appreciate- A lot of, I mean, it, although it, it is three and a half hours
1: long and the vast majority of the characters in this of incredibly unlikable, so it it's not a completely easy watch. Sometimes when you're watching a long film, and, but you want, it's with characters that you enjoy spending time with, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's a lot easier. You have to work on this because they're horrible. Well, I mean, I've not seen
0: Succession, <laughs> but apparently every oh, single yeah, yeah, characters yeah. like that, so, yeah. So and that's apparently very good. So, but um, yeah, I agree. I mean, DiCaprio's kind of it's kind of odd, isn't he? Because he's got this this slightly kind of gormless slightly edgy and he's got a bit of a nasty edge to him but then he turns out to be kind of on her side but he's yeah it's, it's all a bit ambiguous ambiguous isn't it in a good way his yeah. he
1: I mean, was originally down to to have the fbi investigator role and he actually sought the role of of Ernest. yeah i mean he yeah. got paid 30 million dollars for it so i mean, you know sure <laughs> that's an incentive <laughs> Yeah, he can
0: cry into his gold. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, no, yeah it's... A good film. I mean, I I think, yeah, I didn't quite engage with it as much as you did. And I do think it's massively too long. And I found it quite hard going because of that. I don't know if, again, you have to look at the conditions of when you watch a film, when you yeah. watch it one time to another. I remember watching Citizen Kane the first time and I got bored out of my head. I think I might have fallen asleep at some point and it was quite warm in the cinema. And... um the second time I watched it, I thought it was utterly amazing. So yeah. so you've got to be careful when you watch a film, how you judge it. I'm not suggesting you watch every single film three or four times, but anything that seems like it could be worthy of further investigation, I think is worth second view if you have the time to do it. Yeah. Um, and I, I did find out, I think I was quite warm in the cinema and maybe that makes the film drag more. So maybe I have to take that into account. So it's three and a half hours
1: long. Some cinemas around the world um, inserted an intermission, Mm. which they were legally not allowed to do. It violated their contract of screening the film. Um, The film was... um, And so Apple and Paramount... um, actually took action to stop it so a bit bit of back down i mean this is an expensive film to make this is it cost 200 million dollars so they started filming it in 2020 it was interrupted by covid um 200 million do- dollar budget was a real worry um, scorsese reached out to netflix and apple and said please can you help me and paramount because we can to make this film uh apple eventually came in as a co-financer and co co-distributor um yeah it's uh i mean going back to, i mean this film has got quite a long history going back to 2019 um scorsese traveled to the osage nation in oklahoma and, and sat down with them and talked with them about how they could be involved in production and apparently they greatly aided and changed quite a lot of the film in better ways uh with their involvement which, which, which is good it's great i mean it it brings an entire bike on era to life on lily gladstone i fully expect to win the oscar if she doesn't it's complete travesty um a lot some critics have said despite being three and a half hours long the narrative is very focused on dicaprio and de niro to the detriment of molly and the other osage characters um there's I think quite a lot of similar criticisms from some of the Osage Nation mem- members, who have said it's great for the immersion in this culture, but it's a film about bodies rather than the the people in which yeah. the environment is set.
0: I guess this is the problem with American films, even even with notable directors like Scorsese. The problem with American directors, the American, as in the modern westernized American uh, American film, is um it goes back to the, all through the history of the Westerns, it's told from the, the white man point of view. And I'm wondering if with a film like Killers of the Flower Moon, if all of the stuff that's trimmed down could have been the DiCaprio, De Niro-related stuff side of the story. Um, Dances with Wolves comes to mind. That was a film where, contrary to what had gone before, where loads and loads of just white actors were cast yeah. as Native Americans and yeah. given sort of face paint to make themselves look more ethnic or whatever. Um, you've got in the, in the, these films, you, uh dancers were wolves, they, they did cast Native Americans. Graham Green, rather interestingly named and no not the author, um yeah. was one of them. It was obviously not his uh, original kind of ancestral name or whatever, or it wouldn't have been. Um, but they were cast in the role, and yet that story is still kind of quite Concentric around the Kevin Costner character yeah. that, that repeats through the history of American film. In this particular case, yeah, moving into modern era, uh, the, the post whatever uh, era, post referential era, um, we're looking at things from a different angle. It's kind of interesting, um, but I think there's the all of the Native American culture in the modern era is kind of seems to be tinged with tragedy, sadness, and ultimately
1: would they have got the money from Apple to do this film if they didn't have de niro and dicaprio as the, yeah, as the, the, the primary yeah, characters on,
0: i sincerely doubt it yeah there is a film another film that came out this year called uh, sorry last year called war pony which is about um just a group of people in the modern era um of native american uh origins who are living in a very small town and they're kind of there's not much to the story to be honest really not worth going into in too much detail, but that was an interesting little film because yes. it just it just told a story straight about just a bunch of people who happen to be Native American. Here's their story of them in yeah. the world and getting by, doing ordinary working class stuff. That was basically the trusty yeah. story. But it's interesting there's a few of those sort of stories popping up now, which is good. I mean, no, yeah. those are such people. But not, not To be honest with you, I've not heard of them before. I've never, ever heard of them. That's no. a whole set of people I've not heard of. From yeah, it's maybe that says something about how little proper representation. History's been airbrushed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean we hear about Navajo and the you know the Sioux and all those sort of uh, groups because they're famous from all the the classic westerns, aren't they? Basically. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. One other note, so Robbie Robson, Robertson rather um, frequent Scorsese collaborator. He actually died in 2023. I don't think he was on my list I did earlier. Yeah. The he musician. did a he did a strange score for this. It, I, I like it. I it's like it. It's not really yeah. like bits of music. It's sort of just bits of bluesy and old timey kind of percussive, yeah. sort of like noises that. But it fits it really, really well. I thought it was great. It's not a soundtrack that you could actively sit and listen to like you could some of the other epic scores or anything like that but it really it fits the mood and, and, and the environment yeah. really really well
0: I think speaking of soundtracks or scores and we obviously we've been doing our deck up by decade thing so far and when we come to the the last decade or so certainly the 20s and probably the 10s as well uh, of this century um it's going to be a totally different thing to what we've done before because yeah. I think we have a lot of epic famous scores and and lots of interesting stuff in that regard. But I think things have got more intricate and weird yeah. and experimental and very abstract in scores. And yeah. I think it's a really interesting era when we get on to that in the fullness of time. Um, it's going to be quite interesting. It's going to be really hard to pick stuff because there's going to be so many different criteria that you can focus on to in order to channel down. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, there's loads of stuff. Um, and, yeah, I really love this score as well. I think it's good. I think a score, when it's it's a good score, especially when it's interesting and unusual, really adds an extra element. And obviously Scorsese himself, and I'm sure we'll cover him as a subject in due course, um, he's always very conscious of music, has been a huge part of his films. Um, Found music or um, uh, diegetic music as well uh, is always quite a a key function of his stuff. Popular music of the time. Oh, yeah really place the era of the story um has certainly been part of it.
1: Oh yeah, I watched after watching this film with my wife, she was was like, What other good films Mike Scorsese's done? So the next week we watched Goodfellas and that really has all the hits from that time yeah. to perfection. I know,
0: I know we've covered mainly with actors, we've covered people who are still active like Tom Hanks and Francis McDormand so far, but um Scorsese's one I kind of want to hang on a little bit longer because um yeah. see, he might another,
1: still have another. I mean, he's in. He's got to be his early eighties now. He might still have another,
0: yeah, masterpiece in him. Yeah, exactly. Same with any other aging actors. I mean, Michael Caine might do because he's officially retired now, supposedly. Um, but you know, people that are coming towards the end, maybe you know, or, or at the end of their careers, maybe we could start focusing on. But yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of this, I mean, at this stage of his career, it's an interesting film. It definitely feels like more of a return to form in terms of the, the flavour and spice and detail and sense of atmosphere. I did enjoy The
1: Irishman. I mean, that was a similar length, if not long. That was about four hours long, wasn't it? It almost feels like, you know, quite a lot of his films now should be HBO miniseries or,
0: yeah, or something did, like that. But I did, but, I feel like a, a producer should get some handcuffs on him there. His films are too long, and this happens a lot of self-indulgence in older yeah. age. Uh, for film directors and um, it's happened with loads of people before and it's happening with him as well, well i feel the same with clint eastwood's films are always too long but scorsese's films seem to now be too long they weren't in the past no, they weren't um, yeah. and yeah i mean you could trim it's a good only been the last 50. 10 years or so really yeah yeah the irishman i couldn't get around that that artificial um de-aging thing that was just too yeah it didn't work very well and it's with way to nero yeah and it's a, a bit of a typical Scorsese film as well, wasn't it? Still entertaining, but not 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 his greatest. Mm. But anyway, more on that another time. Um, but yeah, good a good choice. It, it was one of those that missed out. One of it's a film five.
1: that's worth watching, it, yeah. definitely.
0: And I've, I've I got, I genuinely enjoyed it. It was my fourth favorite film of the year. Yeah, which is testament enough. Yeah, check it out, have a look at it. I've got a very long short list of things yes. that missed out, <laughs> and that was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, yeah. Uh, Back to yourself. Oh, uh, number four, yeah. So, number four. I've gone for another film, uh, foreign language as well, actually, um, which is called Anatomy of a Fall. Um, oh,
2: yes, yeah. I haven't seen it, that
0: either. It's a right. French film, isn't it? It is a French film, yeah. Um, it is uh, a legal drama thriller, as described on Wiki. Um, it's directed by Justine Triette, so another female director, yet again. Um, from a screenplay that she co-wrote with someone called Arthur Harari. Um, it stars Sandra Hula, who's... Uh, I can't remember what else she was in. I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but she's a good actress, a really, really solid actor. Um, she's playing a writer who's trying to prove her innocence uh, after her husband is killed. It starts with an interesting scene where a young reporter, journalist, investigator type has come in to, to talk to her about her career um, of writing and trying to get sort of like an an inside edge onto her thinking and how how she's how her creative process works and all that sort of stuff. So it starts with the scene of an interview in their um, their sort of chalet in a snowscape in Grenoble, the outskirts of Grenoble. Yes, and um, she's um, troubled by a, a loud a bit of music going on from uh, from someone off screen. Uh, seems to be upstairs, and this music gets louder and it turns out that there's a bit of an edginess to there's a sexual tension basically she seems to be a bisexual character there might be a bit of sexual tension in the interview going on yeah. and there seems to be some kind of possible jealousy or awkwardness to that element uh in the mind of her husband and it's her husband as we later find out who was upstairs who turns the music up and up to irritate her and sabotage the interview and kind of just yeah. rock rough- Feathers, the next thing we know is as, as I've already alluded to, he's then found dead. It appears he's fallen from an upper window, seemingly hit his head on the way down on a on a part of a structure on the lower floor of the uh of the building, and then landed dead in the snow um died from a head injury um The son who's got a disability finds the body and then she uh and then she comes on the scene as well uh, and then as is quite often the case in these scenarios, you've got to investigate cause of death. And there is suspicion around whether it was murder because it, something doesn't quite add up in the in the manner of the way the head injuries occurred. It doesn't seem to compute with the trajectory of where he fell oh, okay. and landed and so on, but it's not conclusive. And then, of course, so she's under suspicion and she's trying to prove her innocence. Um, and what's brilliant about this film, apart from the acting and the way, that, way it's directed is the way they keep the balance with your ambiguity, you genuinely don't know whether she's done something wrong or not. You can yes. see there a possible motive of sorts, but you also could see how she could be completely innocent. And it's a it's a masterclass in showing how behaviour works because you've got multi layers of, of the French are brilliant at that, aren't they? Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. You've got you've got the, the the actor obviously playing the role. Yes, you've got the the character. Um, Played, played by the aforementioned Sandra Huller, who's, um, who is acting the part of someone, is obviously either acting the part of someone who's guilty, hiding their guilt and pretending to be innocent, or is innocent and is then playing the part of someone who then has to put on a, an act of sorts, as you would do, because you're worried about the perception people will have of you if you're innocent, but suspected of being guilty. So you've got this multi-element going on, and she just plays that balance so well so perfectly brilliant it's a masterful performance oh, it's,
1: it's, i think it's oscar nominated isn't it as well yeah, i've got to say
0: with my contempt of the oscars i've not yeah actually, okay I've, it's, it, it's had a
1: lot of uh, attention yeah. recently i think it was out fairly recently
0: wasn't it yeah it was i think, yeah. I think it was to come out around about november time or something yeah, like yeah. Like, november maybe. Uh, it's
1: been on my list of films i need to watch but i never quite got to it in time
0: yeah i mean i thoroughly recommend it I mean, it's a drama it's it's played out as a three- or four-hander in terms of main roles. Um, uh, but it's. I, I think she is masterfully good in this film because yeah. it's so easy to have got that, not, not necessarily wrong-wrong, but slightly off, offbeat and for it to just not quite hit the notes. But I think she gets all of it just so well, that makes the film. Without her performance being that good, it wouldn't be as engaging. It wouldn't be as intriguing. And you're left at the end, it's not plot as to say, but you're left still wondering what's happened i'm not going to say how it pans out in terms of decision making and all that but you're you're always not quite sure about her and i think that's how it would be for real really in most cases yeah. um the whole notion of crime and innocence and guilt and how comprehensive beyond reasonable doubt that sort of stuff is uh, is thrown into question here and i think it's it's a fantastic film it premiered at the 76th Cannes Film Festival. Another thing I can't stand the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> I've not been there, but I, I wouldn't ever want to. Um it was in May in 2023 it was yes. released. Um it won the Palm Dor and the Palm Dog Award, whatever that is, and competed for the queer palm, which is a bit odd because I'm not quite sure where they're going with that. I mean okay. she's a bisexual character, but that's not a it's yeah. not that significant okay. an, an element of the story. Um it was released theatrically in France by Le Pacte on 23rd of August, 2023, receiving critical acclaim at the time with praise from Chiette's director, uh, sorry, for her direction, and screenplay co-writing with Harari and Huller's performance um, and selling over 1 million admissions in France. It received 11 nominations at the 49th César Awards, which are, of course, the equivalent of the Oscars yeah. in France um gained significant international success it won two golden globes best screenplay and foreign language film um 77th british academy awards it received seven nominations including best film and director and five nominations at the academy awards uh, for best picture interestingly as in yeah. the straight out best
1: picture not best foreign language film
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, plus best director best actress original screenplay and and editing I never want to be sure with things like editing, but in terms of original screenplay screenplay, actress, or do we just say actor now? And yeah. director, I think, and, and picture, I think it should be up there. Um amongst oh, the Printer.
1: genuine. I need audience. to watch it. Yeah. I don't I don't think it would be streaming anywhere
0: that I uh, that I could find, so I was sort of struggling. It's to on um, it down. I think it's on Prime, but you have to pay okay. it to watch it to, to rent it. Okay, I'll have a look. But it'll come out for free later, obviously. So yeah. may, you can sit and wait. Yeah. You're, not, you're not reviewing it for this anymore. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're watching. Mm. Um I mean the general plot is it's it's an isolated mountain chalet near near Grenoble. So you, you've got snowscapes is, is yeah. the setting for where this was taken. Um, Samuel Molesky is playing the music in his attic so loudly that his wife German novelist Sandra Voiter. Uh, asks to reschedule with a female student interviewing her. Their blind son, uh, Daniel, returns from a long walk with his guide dog Snoop to find Samuel dead below his attic window. Talking to an old friend, lawyer Vincent Renzi, Sandra says the fall must have been accidental and then the story goes on from there. What's also interesting is the lawyer is clearly a friend as well and there's a bit of an odd chemistry going on there. You're not quite sure even with that what's going on. It seems that um, she has affections for him there is the possibility that something's gone on before as well. Oh, okay. There's those extra multi layers to it, which is quite interesting. Um, I won't go into any more of the plot synopsis because you know just watch the film really. Yeah. <laughs> as far as that goes, but honestly, a really, really good film, and it's come in for a lot of good praise. I know Mark Hermod, prominent um, film critic, who's got his own a- yeah. podcast now, but used to be the uh, the the BBC Five Live uh, critic for years. Him and Simon uh, Mayo have the the chat on YouTube. I watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's great fun. Their, their stuff's highly recommended. Yes. Um, and I know he's got it in his, his top few films of the year, top five yeah. tickets, actually, of the year. Yeah. Uh, he quoted this, and it's it's a great film. Sandra Hullo, we mentioned earlier, who's obviously the main lead. Um yeah, she's German, to... I'm presuming. She is German, yeah. Um, she is, I'm trying to think which films... Um, I think, think... Was she in Tony Erdmann that, that German uh, comedy it. few that's years it. ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's the one I was trying to think of. She's in... Um, quite a few other things that's tony great urban, tony urban again is a very long film. really strange
1: film but very, very, good. very strange. The main, for, for, for years afterwards there were a lot of
0: um, rumors that jack nicholson was going to come out of retirement to remake it but it never happened in the end yeah well if I'm, I'm not a big fan of remakes i did quite like the man called otto which is a remake of a swedish film based on a swedish book but um that was actually quite good. But actually, if, if they were doing Tony Urban again, Jack Nicholson would be a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> that would be quite good. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Anatomy of the Fall, I thoroughly recommend it, and that's my number four. Fantastic. Can we uh, take a quick break so I can get another beer? Absolutely. Sounds like a plan, Phil, until uh, we come back in part two with our uh, number threes onwards. And we're back in the room, aren't we, Phil?
1: Yeah, I've now moved on to the Brewdog Brind Coffee Stout. It's oh, good. I've not had
0: that. that yeah,
1: I hadn't seen it before. It, yeah, saw it in Tesco's. Huh? It was not cheap. It was something <laughs> ridiculous like £3.80 for a can or something.
0: But I thought, I've got to try that. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, again, right, it, so. Aren't they? Beer, cans of beer and bottles of beer. Are, yeah, pints. There was the price of a pint before. And Mm. it's now in supermarkets. It's more expensive than a pint was a short few years ago. Yeah. Just the old man moment now.
1: Right, after all of your uh, highfalutin foreign language films, I... I know what (laughs) you're going to be. You know what I'm doing for number three. There's no way that I'm going to be missing out on John Wick in my top five. (laughs) (laughs) I love love John Wick films. I absolutely adore them. Um, They're just so much fun. I've already watched John Wick 4. It's two and three-quarter hours long. I've already watched it three times. (laughs) Apart from my number one, all of the other films... All the other films from 2023, I've only watched once. My number one, I watched twice. This, I've already watched three times because it's just so much fun. I know it's not smart and it's not (laughs) clever, but it's so good. Um, So, I'm I'm pretty sure you haven't seen it. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) well, following on from John Wick three, um, John Wick uncovers a path uh, to defeating the high table. But before he can earn his freedom, he must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe that forces and forces that turn old friends into foes. So the new enemy is the uh, Marquis Vincent Besset de Gramont, um, played by Bill Skarsgård, who you probably know as Pennywise from it. Um, and a lot of the usual gang return. Lance Reddick, RIP, uh, is in it. Um Ian McShane's back as well. Lawrence Fishburne, again, playing the Barry King. He, and But, uh, I mean, I love this film anyway, but one of my absolute favourite martial arts stars, uh, Donnie Yen, famous for the Ip Man films, he plays a blind assassin in this, and he's just brilliant. So, so this, this, I mean, ultimately, it's two and three quarter hours long. At least two hours of it is fighting. And they basically move from... Between New York and Osaka, and Berlin and Paris, and wherever they go, hundreds of henchmen appear and get shot, punched, killed. The, the set pieces are fantastic. So there's nightclubs <laughs> in Berlin. The, the fight on the sh- around um, ar- um around the arc to triumph on the roundabout, all the cars driving around while he's having a punch up, and then the fight when he tries to climb up Montmartre to get to the top to have a duel at the end, and he has to beat all people on the way up incredibly predictable you know what's going to happen it's brilliant I love it Um, uh, again directed by ex-stuntman Chad Stahelski I think he's he's held all all four films now Uh, Keanu Reeves obviously back as as John Wick he plays Keanu Reeves playing John Wick, and he's just fantastic. I mean, he's got to be almost 60 by now. I don't know how he did some of this. <laughs> I mean, there was a bit of CGI and, and stuff, but the choreography is absolutely fantastic. We might, we might
0: talk about Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible as well, I'm sure, yeah at am point along this this episode mm-hmm. on the same ground. So, the um, yeah, I mean, it used to be... Sort of 25,
1: 20, 25, 30 years ago, the Hong Kong action cinema for me was was the best in the world. You had the Jackie Chan, your Jet Lee's, your Donnie Yens, um, who would do these ridiculous choreography fights. And for the most part, the American just seemed pedestrian in comparison because they didn't have the actors that were capable of pulling it off. They didn't have the the, the directors that knew how to shoot it properly. Now, I think the American's are now catching up and and as evidenced by stuff like this. Um it's ri- it's not written by Derek Colstone, who normally writes these films, it's written by um Shay Hatton and Michael Finch. and um, the writers apparently they drew influence from Once Upon a Time in the West, Good, the Bad and the Ugly, Bullet, Dirty Harry, Satoichi films. Um I think it was originally supposed to be two films, which is why it ends up being so long. Um most of the i mean it's some of the weapons in it are absolutely ridiculous as well i am led to believe that all the weapons in it are chosen from stock and custom weapon design firms that are already in existence so when uh keanu reeves has his 21 shot or whatever it is pit viper pistol that's an actual pistol um <laughs> the dueling pistols the uh where oh, we made a note of it the thompson center contenders they're all they're all proper guns i mean having suits with kevlar in that could deflect bullets from a couple of yards away i don't think that's actually something you can actually get at the moment but um for all, sense, all intents and purposes it's just it's just a riot and, and it's and it's actually gorgeous in places as well you see you see so much of paris you see so, uh, the fights in Osaka the Berlin. It, I mean, he's he's got an eye for visuals. I mean, know oh, he's an ex-stuntman directing, has grown up in a slightly different path to everyone else. But this, the first John Wick film, was fantastic, but it felt like a. I don't. I don't want to say TV movie, but it 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 had a lot lower budget. Now we're on to number four, and it just looks absolutely glorious. Um, your enjoyment of this film um, will depend a lot on how. Your your attention span during long action set pieces. <laughs> there are complaints from quite a few critics about how long it is, but ultimately it has got ninety four percent Rotten Tomatoes, mm. which which is uh, you know that I think that the general consensus is epic action with constantly spectacular
0: set pieces. Yeah, you... um, I absolutely love it. You do love a ludicrous action film, don't you? It has to be said. um, I do, I do. And of all the
1: films on this list, this is the film that I will, over the rest of my life, watch the most of that, I have no
2: doubt.
1: Before I watched this, (laughs) I had to go back and watch the first
0: three again because I'm ridiculous (laughs) like that,
1: even though I know pretty much every frame.
0: Yeah, I must confess, I've not seen any of the John Wilf. I don't think it'll be your... No, I don't mind... A really good action Your film, thing. a good a fun film, and a roaring yarn. But you said about the, the the action going on too long. I do tend to, my mind wanders and I get bored of. Action. Hey, I love the,
1: I, I grew up with the whole Jackie Chan
0: choreography. So when I see anything like that, I just, I just, yeah. I'm just wowed. And you know, I think it's fantastic. I've seen loads of those films and I appreciate the talent of it and I've enjoyed a lot of them, but not on the same level you have. So oh, that's fair it. enough. Yeah. It's one of those things, isn't it? But you
1: get amazing choreography at the ballet and I can sit through that
0: but when it's people punching and shooting each
1: other, completely different. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't think there are any plans for another film. I think Keanu is saying that it was kind of quite hard work. Hmm. Um, He's getting on a little bit now. Um, I think he wants a bit of a rest. Um, There is a spin-off film called Ballerina this year. I think it's Anna Duranas that is uh, playing it. That's going to have John Wick, who was going to have Keanu Reeves, Ian McShane, and again, Lance Reddick, R.A.P., I think they were praising their roles on, in, in that. There was a spin-off TV series called The Continental on Amazon last year. I didn't really enjoy that very much. I watched it. It wasn't very good. Oh, cool. um, it was about a young young version of um, set sort of 40, 50 years ago so based on that. Uh, Ian McShane's character. It wasn't that great. Um, it was all right. Nothing special. Um, but I mean, yeah, $100 million, uh, budget blockbuster. It made $440 million worldwide. Um, just great fun. It's just fun. I mean, I understand it's not for everybody, but people that like these sort of films really like them.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely find a different way of spending that $100 million. It would be $100 million worth of wine and beer, I think, would probably be yes. the exception. Um But no, I mean, my, my other, my, the reason, one of the reasons I didn't bother watching any of that was, um, Keanu Reeves. I've got a real problem with Keanu Reeves. That's, I
1: mean, that's fine. He's it, it, I mean, in these, he's perfect. He only has a dialogue. He only has a few words to say, and you don't watch it. Yeah, with the, the dialogue the or the emotive acting. <laughs> you watch it because he's just he's just cool and he looks good beating
0: people up. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I've, i I think he's a, a dreadful actor. He's apparently a very nice guy, and apparently he's got a very healthy yeah. interest in. A film with the history of film and archiving. Oh, yeah. I watched
1: it. You can see it on YouTube um, that, that he was being interviewed on a TV programme yeah. once. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it might be Japanese. I can't remember. I watched it a couple of years ago. And then Sonny Chiba... Um, Oh, uh, yeah. if you also the swordsman from kill bill famous for lots and lots of mm. 70s and 80s uh, martial arts films he kind of came got brought out as a special guest and keanu reeves was just flawed you've never seen such hero worship from anybody <laughs> in your life he was just he just looked it's Sonny Chiba, <laughs> you know You could tell he really loves the subject
0: matter you yeah. know i mean i do again mentioned mark Hermo before i do think um he said, if I remember from his review, he's not been a fan of the John Wick films at yeah. all. But I think I remember him saying, I think he thought the first one had some entertainment value. The, the, this latest one, he actually said, do you know what? That's actually pretty entertaining in a certain sort of way. And he, yeah. he was kind of, I don't know what you would call it, like um, backhanded compliments or what. But he, I think he genuinely thought it was a pleasant surprise, even by... You They've know,
1: got a big budget. They can stage big spectacular pieces. There are kind of car chases and all sorts in this and the are the, up there with anything you're gonna see in any other action film. It's it, it's great. I love it. Um uh yeah it'd be interesting. I'm quite curious to see Ballerina, but I think I think I'm hoping that you will raise the game of kind of action Hollywood action films to show what is capable to be
0: to yeah. be done if you get the right people involved. Yeah, and it's interesting the, what you said about Hollywood taking on the mantle of being the the driving force of uh, action films in that, in that regard. So that yeah. sort of martial arts-based stuff is in, interesting in particular. Yeah. yeah, Do you want my number three, then?
1: So, yeah, I apologise. <laughs> I know it's not high art, but it's just... Well... <laughs> so I was only in hour and about where to put it. I thought, can I really put this above Killers of the Flower Moon? And when I watched it for the third
0: time a couple of days ago, yeah, bloody right, I okay. can <laughs> <laughs> well um put it this way uh this is not going to be a surprise but there could not be more of a contrast between your number three and my number three <laughs> i'm not surprised <laughs> i i've got a feeling this isn't going to be in your top five i've got a feeling you may not have seen it anyway um it's another drama this is in english language this time though it's an american film um this is the one i think i mentioned on air i think it was on air um yeah. i nearly forgotten it was in this year uh, uh, okay. three that we're talking about i thought it was the year before but it wasn't it came out in i think early february actually it turns out the 2023 and it's women talking um have you seen that film yes i i, I haven't I, I it's on my list to watch that so i yeah. didn't
1: get round to it i again i had a lot of good things about it
0: yeah i loved this film i thought it was um a film i was a little bit apprehensive about because i thought oh how's this going to be it's got a stagey feel it does feel like it's um adaptive from theater in the sense that you're pretty much in one location for the entire story there's a lot of talking so that (laughs) by default makes it sound like theater um apparently it's an original screenplay so that was interesting i'm pretty sure this is going to end up on the stage as well yeah, um, it's a pretty much an eight or nine hander. This one, and it's got a stellar cast of uh, of um, actor acting talent, largely female, as you'll probably guess from the title yeah. of the story of the film. Uh, it's got Rooney Mara, it's got Claire Foy, it's got um, Jesse Buckley. So some real seriously good yeah. Frances McDormand that we uh, we did a, a yeah. special episode on before. Um, it has also got uh, who else was it? Uh, the other characters are not so well-known, but Judith Ivey, Emily Mitchell, Kate Hallett, uh, Lily, uh, sorry, Liv, Liv McNeil, uh, Sheila McCarthy, Michelle McLeod, uh, Kira Gullin, I think that's pronounced, shaley Brown, Vivian Endicott, um, all of whom, as you'll notice from their names, are female characters. Yes. Um, <laughs> but most interestingly, an, an actor who I always find quite intriguing and quite varied in his roles Ben Whishaw, who's playing a, oh yeah, he's slightly, He's a Cute. kind of, yeah, yeah, he's he's a real oddball character in this. Obviously, so know. is it
1: a British film? No, it's American. Yeah, oh, it's, so, American. Like, it's, say, it's American. I was going to say It's Claire Foy, Claire and Ben Whishaw in it. Sorry,
0: yeah. yeah, he's sort of like a wispish, bookwormly, slightly geeky, possibly even autistic kind of character. I'm not quite sure uh, where where he stands. A, a character called August, who um, who sort of just presides over the conversations. He's aware of what's happened. He's kind of like a little bit of a mild mannered and standoffish character. But he's kind of an observer, almost the writer of the story, um, because he's um he's scribing stuff and making notes of the conversation that's going on during this story. Um so an interesting character actually. Um speaking of August, which is his character name, there is an actor actor called August Winter in it as well, interestingly. But uh, yeah, anyway, so a stellar cast, um a really interesting subject. It's set in what feels like olden times, but then you realise it's not really old times at all. Okay. It's more like, you know, you've seen things like Witness with the Amish community. Yeah. It's kind of in that mould of um, there's people who are living a traditional lifestyle in a much more modern era. It doesn't really specify exactly when, but it's not far in the past if it's in the past at all. Could it, could it be the Isle of Wight? <laughs> Right there goes our oil. <laughs> you know, all, all eighty five thousand of them. Uh, no, um, yeah. I mean, it's a really commendable film. I think here you're talking about obviously brilliant acting from all of the cast. Um, it's a really tightly written and intriguingly written story as well. It's very dialogue heavy, as you'd imagine from anything yeah. that sounds quite theatrical, um, and it sets a time and a place, and you're quite you're not you're not quite sure what you're hearing about first of all, and you've got these these elder uh elders of the group, like Francis McDormand's character, who who are kind of uh, world weary and they're a little bit in one sense, kind of um a bit not critical, but they're a bit um wary of the conversation that's going on. They don't they're not sure that it should go that way. But at the same time they're quite wizened and they're quite cautiously adventurous in where they see this story going for those characters um again if i draw on the um went to the uh the guardians uh, uh site actually again and certain mr mark como's popped up again he put it in as his film of the week uh for drama um the article starts by saying the canadian directors finely balanced drama about the abuse secrets and shame of an isolated religious community boasts wonderfully uh, nuanced performances Yet the real action lies in its knotty central argument. It is a kind of like, it, I mean, it is a, a debating yeah. story. That In one sense, it almost reminded me of Ken Loach's film, Land and Freedom, which has a really extensive scene where there's a whole group of people who are there who have assembled to fight for the yeah. Civil war. And they're talking about collectivization and which is a communist notion and about the pitfalls and the arguments for and against it has that feel of that, that same thing debating essentially there's a group of women who've been abused who haven't sort of to an extent haven't realized if what they've experienced is imaginary or real because they've been indoctrinated uh, in that sense or they've been indoctrinated to just absorb and to accept whatever might have happened it's sort of centered around drinking and uh, you know if you're if you accept it as real you're uh, essentially a, a traitor to the religion and if you accept it as um as, as just a, a figment of your imagination overnight then everything's fine that seems to be the general mm-hmm. point from the male point of view the male figures in this story are there but they're then they're, they're only present in conversation more than in in actual presence because a lot of it the, the the women are assembled in the barn the upper level of a barn of this huge barn and they're having their conversation there because they don't want to be overheard um apart from ben Wishel, there's no other men on on site and they're debating what to do should they leave should they go out into the wider world of which they are very fearfully naive yeah or do they stay or do they they stay but confront the guys so stay stay and accept stay and confront or flee other three concepts that are being discussed and various other nuances on the debate as well. And that is the central knotty argument that's mentioned in the in the review there. Um, so it's kind of it's very interesting. It says in the article, it says that um what follows is is an act of female imagination, is one of the c- taglines. And it says that phrase taken directly from Tois, who is Miriam Tois, the writer of the novel on which it's based from 2018. Is pointedly double edged, having been used by the elders of a remote religious co- colony to explain away years of drugged sexual assaults, basically. Um, attacks attributed to ghosts, demons, or hysteria, wild female imagination, that sort of thing, um, that have left women and girls terrorized, pregnant, or dead. When the assailants are finally caught and taken into custody for their own protection, which has happened at the beginning of the story. Yeah. Um the women have a brief window in which to imagine their future. Should they stay within the community that has raped and abused them or leave, thereby casting themselves out of the Garden of Eden, estranged from the God in whom they have still placed their faith? And it's a very blinkered and very controlled and very small, bubbled community. So it's a big move if they're going to do it. Now, the article says the ensuing Socratic debate resembles a cross between Arthur Miller's 1953 stage play, The Crucible. Crucible. Yeah, the way, that's, I about it. It. That's, the, that's the one about the um, witches, isn't it? The witch hunter, yeah, that's Salem, right. Salem, yeah. Salem witch hunts, yeah. And Dutch filmmaker Marlene Gorris's electrifying 1982 feminist psychodrama, A Question of Silence, which I've not seen, by the way, uh, yeah. played up within the matrix of a Hayloft. And it says, How will we be forgiven if not by the elders whom have we have disobeyed? demands Marich, played by Jesse Buckley, who's a more sceptical, worrisome figure, um, facing the prospect that we will be forced to leave the colony if we don't forgive the men. Is forgiveness that is forced upon us true forgiveness counts as the strangely serene owner played by Rooney Mara. To whom Judith Ivey's Agatha character adds, perhaps forgiveness can in some instances be confused with permission. And so there's obviously there's a load of loaded um, subject matter here that's very much for the modern era. I mean, it's a modern novel, uh, 2018. So it's obviously written with modern sensibilities in mind. And this whole thing of the Me Too, uh, the whole notion of what's been accepted and put under the carpet is very much at the forefront, obviously, in the metaphors. And the um, the analogies behind this story, um, but the dialogue, the way the story unfolds, the, sorry, the way the dialogue unfolds, the debate moves and shifts, uh, the way the characters maybe change a little bit with their thoughts um, is really interesting. It's shot in black and white, by the way, as well, so <laughs> gives yeah. it gives you a more fancy feel uh, for for want of a, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, people decide for themselves. But I, I think all starchy kind of colours as well, and. You get a character comes in in a car at one point, and it's quite jarring, quite early in the story. I think someone delivering something, and you realise it's not really from the past. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, this could have been relevant and pertinent to.
1: Yeah, almost any time in the
0: last. Um, An intriguing story. Um, I think it takes a lot to hold your attention in what is essentially a theatre style setup on film I think so yeah. many films you watch that are like that are just yeah You should think.
1: I think of something like Rope
0: yeah Rope yeah. is another which manages to do it yeah so, so for you do in the grander scheme of things but this is one that does I think it's a masterful work I think it's superb um as I said the cast is brilliant the director is Sarah Polly I don't know if I've mentioned that again another female mm. director that's brilliant there's a bit of a theme going on tonight which is great and she I said she was one of the writers. Uh, for the screenplay as well um it is a superb film and i'm so glad that i, I realized it was in this year and not last yeah. year. it would have sadly missed out in my choices um there's one quote here it says the subject matter may be somber yet the tone of these conversations is thrillingly vibrant and engaging it really is for a film that's just a load of people in one location talking it does feel quite mobile yeah. it feels like there's a lot going on um it's it's very cleverly directed and the, the, the arrangement of the shots is very clever and there is a good tension towards the end when the the the, the, the characters have decided what they're going to do there's not not unilateral agreement but they the, the, what the majority of the characters are going to do um it's kind of there's a tension that comes into it as well because even though you've barely seen these male characters at all you're wondering about the, the fear of the unknown who are the, what, what are they going to do and on one hand, it feels like it almost feels like no, I'm not sure anything's going to happen there. And on the other hand, you think, or oh, is there a twist with this? And it keeps you on edge as well. Yeah, it's just dialogue based.
1: Oh, fantastic.
0: Well, I don't know if she's worked done on anything beforehand. I forgot to look that up, Sarah Polly. But I'm just looking at it now. But she's um, looking at. It, she looks quite young, so I'm not sure she would have done much. But um, Whatever she's been working on, I'm going to be very much looking forward to her next work. Um, she's been an actress in a couple of things by the looks of it. Nothing particularly significant. But as a director, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does next. I don't know if she'll be given a bigger budget and whether that will then translate yeah. to a totally different type of film. Who knows? Uh, looking at her other films she did, yeah, nothing really that would stand out that many people would have heard of there, to be honest with you. So there's no point in reading out a list of films no one will know but um it's so more it's not a debut but to yeah. me it's a debut <laughs> in one yes. sense and I'm looking forward to what she does excellent film really good recommend it
1: fantastic I think I can guess what your top two are now and <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they're both those top two are in
0: my top five
1: we shall Ooh. see
0: we shall see indeed yeah yeah did you know that was going to be in my top five by the way no I, no no
1: i haven't guessed any of your uh, three for three so far <laughs> and i'm really embarrassed that i haven't watched any of those three but you'll uh, definitely have one of mine uh, i think two. i have like had to think that between the two of us we kind of got we've got a lot of stuff that we both love and but we both have other things i like the stupid stuff and you like the more arty stuff so between yeah. us we cover pretty much most of the films that you will see at the cinema yeah.
0: I should explain at this point as well. Cause I've got um, the, the art house cinema on Crouch End is great because they, um, they do a season ticket where you can just pay a, a sizable amount up front, uh, either as a single or a joint membership. I've got yeah. a joint membership with the missus. And then you can watch... Um, well, you can't watch the same film multiple times, but you, you can watch as many different films as you want, throughout the year. Everything is free, unless there's a very special event on, everything is free in terms of once um, yeah. throughout the year. But what that, what they tend to have is a lot of these kind of films. So yeah. I've, I've seen all of those kind of films, with one or two exceptions, like The Great Escaper and one or two others like that. What I've ended up doing is missing certain blockbusters, because I'm paying through the nose on top of my season ticket for those. So I'm tending not to see... That's why I've, I've missed Godzilla. Um, actually, that was more a time issue, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I did see Mission Impossible, but I didn't see... Uh, well, I didn't see John Wick anyway, but there's a few other things yes. like that I've not seen. You know, I've watched the yeah. major flagship thing like that. I, I, I
1: watch, yeah, the the majority of the blockbusters because I have yeah. teenage children, because yeah. I like blockbusters generally. I'm, I'm not so much superhero films. I'm a bit tired of those, but... Same, Yeah, but yeah a lot of the others
0: yeah but, I oh, well, watch, that sounds great i watched but was it called blue beetle i think i watched that
1: randomly oh, okay i
0: have an odd one to go for which is entertaining enough nothing special that's got
1: that. the the kiddie from cobra kai in it isn't it i haven't seen it
0: yeah i think so yeah hmm. yeah okay yeah right back to you mr newman uh back to me
1: so number two yeah um it's oppenheimer it's got to be in it um mm-hmm. uh Obviously, the story of American scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. I mean, this is just state-of-the-art 21st century cinema. Uh, written and directed by Christopher Nolan. I think he also wrote a lot of the screenplay as well. Um, it's, it's just bravo filmmaking of, of the highest degree. It's based on the 2005 biography American Prometheus by Kai Burden. Martin J. Sherwin. Um, in case you weren't aware, Killian Murphy plays Oppenheimer. Emily Blunt is his wife, Kitty. Uh, Matt Damon is the General uh, Leslie Groves. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is uh, Rear Admiral Lewis Strauss, who's a high ranking member of the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission, who kind of comes up after him. Uh, later in his career, and then Florence Pugh uh, plays one of his ex-girlfriends who's a communist member and a psychiatrist, Josh Hartner plays Ernest Lawrence, uh, a Nobel winning physicist and kind of colleague of his, this is just, uh, this is just fantastic, I mean to, to make a three hour film based on someone most people don't have heard of, but know nothing about. Watson. Before this, yeah, it was like, oh, Oppenheimer, yeah, yeah the, yeah, the the atomic bomb guy. Beyond that, I knew nothing about him. And absolutely gripping... City. I mean, there's no big set pieces, there's no big monologues, there's no Hmm. I mean, you know,
0: it's just the to, just to, the, the testing thing. Maybe is the only yeah, yeah. It's, isn't it? But, yeah. and
1: and to make a film. What I think I mean,
0: where was it? This
1: was the third highest grossing film at the cinema. Loads of it's in black and white. I mean, some hmm. of it's in colour. It, it kind of restores your faith in humanity a little bit. A film kind of that that is clever can can yeah. can do so well critically and commercially.
0: I know I've quoted him quite a bit on this episode, but Kermode is a, a real champion of Christopher Nolan's stuff. The thinking man. Oh, I love him. Woman's He, I pop-up. mean,
1: it's it's him and Denis Villeneuve, uh,
0: basically the, the new Stanley Kubricks for me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think largely that's a good, that's a pretty good observation and description. I think, yeah, I, I love Villeneuve's stuff. Uh, brilliant. I do really like Nolan's work. Um and, uh, so He's Cohen... never
1: made a bad film. Everything he... Oh, Tenet yeah. wasn't great, actually. Tenet, I
0: didn't... Idol... But, but, yeah, problems <laughs> no, it's
1: but, only... um, but it's still watchable. There's still interesting things happening. There's enough, you know... you. I don't really like Superman... Super, superhero films obviously and mm-hmm. the I watched all three Batman films. So I didn't really like the third one so much. But the first two or four were absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. On yeah, I so, was Kermo saying about thinking man cinema and proving the point that blockbusters can be cerebral. They don't have to just be mm-hmm. airheaded nonsense. and um, because they've done well, and it's great that that is happening. I think with this, what's what's interesting about his recent works. If you look at the, the last, the, the, the um, what the the Bane Batman film was that the second or the third one. I always mix them up. the, the third, but the last one, one was yeah. It, yeah, the, yeah. So I agree with you about yeah, the Batman films. I didn't like one. one as much, but the third one it was overwrought on the on the sounds, wasn't it? And actually, yeah. it was the most incomprehensible dialogue. In Tenet, I found that was overwrought sound as well. It was almost too much, yeah, um, and Oppenheimer is almost like the matured um sort of a later version of the same kind of set of films where the sound is absolutely seminal to how he's made yeah, it. and it's it's really again it's overwrought, but it's in a good way it. Uh, I, uh, that wasn't the case with the other films i don't think this one it fits nicely i saw this by the way at the imax um yeah. site imax um in london with a friend alan who listens to the show yeah. her, um and his two sons or two of his sons um and I, I it's the only film that was released that's on my very long list what well, any of the films i've seen actually yeah. uh, that i've seen more than once because i saw it yeah. with, with them my other half was away at the time, and she wanted to see it, so I went yeah. very happy to watch it again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, Recommendation. This is
1: one of those films that's got so much going on that yeah. you can go back to and, and you know pick up on things that you missed before. I'm quite half tempted to read the book, really, and then watch it again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I watched uh, – what happened was um, I, I was – as you said, it's, it's somebody – again, I, I knew exactly what you knew about him. I knew who he was, and, you know, they'd done the, the atomic bomb, and there's one or two other little – bits of info and that was all i knew so when it was coming up i thought Do you know what this is going to be quite detailed i'm going to listen to something that somebody had mentioned there was a podcast um something like it's a history series i can't remember what it's called it's apparently very well known if i could remember yeah. the name, i'd mention it people are probably sh- shouting out they already know what it is in the background but um but it was an intro it gave a background to the whole story of his relationship with some of these other scientists
1: oh because um, einstein's in it and heisenberg's in it, in it. And,
0: yeah all those guys and, yeah. and the Truman factor and what was said in the presidential suite and they had a conversation and about his relationships and the whole, the whole connection with communism and what was the real uh, relationship there that he was kind of connected to it, but wasn't really immersed in it and all that stuff that gave me a good grounding. I literally listened to that on the way yes. to the Science Museum uh, to watch the film, uh, which may or may not have been a good idea. It turned out it was a good idea because yeah, there's so much detail in this film, so many characters and so many references from one person to another. Unless you already know the subject matter, you are gonna miss something. So of the so and I still yeah. did anyway. No, no, no. So I, I so went into it. this
1: not knowing any of the subject matter and found it and I was wasn't lost and found it a incredible experience. On the other side, <laughs> um Another film I watched um, about a historical figure, Napoleon, I know lots of the history behind, and I had no clue what was going on half the time when I went, when I went to go and watch that. I was, so I, 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 that, yeah. I mean, that, that was, if we're saying Oppenheim is how you do do it, and Napoleon is how you definitely don't do it.
0: Yes, it's not a surprise to say I agree with you and Napoleon is not in my top five yeah. if it was this year. I mean, it came out this year, didn't it? Yeah.
1: Oh, was it twenty three? Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, it didn't make it didn't make my five or anywhere near it. I was saying some lost.
1: incredible visuals in it. And yeah. there was a lot yeah. about it that I really enjoyed. It it but it, it 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 just left such big gaps in the storytelling. It just moved it was like a greatest hits that was just going, Oh, these are all the main events in his life that are completely not joined up with and so unless you really know this Napoleon story, you you're not gonna have a clue what's going on after time. Yeah. And there, were, I... there were,
0: yeah, I was vastly underwhelmed with it. If that's an yeah. expression, um, I, I agree, yeah. and I was very disappointed because I've been looking forward to a good Napoleon film for a long time. Oppenheimer, um, but yeah. Yeah, back to that, um, watch the silent Napoleon, by the way, amazing film, really interesting. We've got to do silent cinema epics at one point in okay. the future. That's I've hard. never seen one, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. um, but Oppenheimer did not make my top five you'll be surprised that's the one you You're thought joking. Oh, yeah i know yeah. i as i said i've got a very long list of yes. people close to the uh, people films very close to the mark there were bits of it that didn't quite hit it for me and when you've got a much in one sense big scale but in another sense smaller scale film like yeah. In the end, yeah, you know, I think
1: it balanced both of them so 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 well, and it had the, the, There's basically it's almost like two films. So it, it's, it's the build up all the way to the first bomb in Hiroshima, and that's like on a curve of this is all in, this is all gripping, this is all interesting, and it's a. when it happens, it's like the highest high, and then when you realise this what's happened, then for him, yeah. then it's yeah. the lowest low, and it
0: becomes a very very different. You do get wrapped this. up in the whole narrative oh, yeah. of what they're doing. And then
1: after that, he's becoming obviously very anti. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. There's the. I it, it, it was so. The way that they deal with the flashbacks was so skillfully done. It yeah.
0: Was, it was I, I thought. Yeah. I mean, it's a masterful work. There's a. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um. As you said, there's the, the the initial build up to the the first testing and then the actual bomb dropping on Hiroshima and and then you've got the um as you said for want of a better word the fallout the cycle yeah. fallout of um of what happens as well. Huge amount, of hugely ambitious, a huge amount of detail, a lot of fascinating subject matter for something, especially as you said, yeah. I really knew much about. So re- I, I really got immersed in the whole story. I saw two documentaries on TV as well. Yeah. uh Watched that, uh, listened to that podcast that I mentioned, and obviously then listened to reviews as well. And I watched the film twice. So I was really immersed in it when the film came out, and it was all about Oppenheimer for a while for me. Um, fascinating subjects, interesting character as well I think um, Kitty Murphy obviously in the main role um, was excellent he's always pretty good he's um, always good yeah and uh, you've got Tom Conti as Albert Einstein haven't you in that
1: yeah
0: I quite enjoyed that because there's not many films with Einstein in that aren't things like Bill and Ted yeah <laughs> it's quite nice it's not see
1: him. It. Einstein's not in Bill and Ted
0: <laughs> isn't he no
1: it's Socrates
0: it's the uh, Socrates uh, <laughs> yes as they <laughs> say it. yeah um Okay, point taken. But no, mm-hmm. I, it's a masterful work. There's loads and loads of good things in there, but it just didn't quite. There was something I don't. I couldn't put my finger on it actually. But there's something I didn't quite engage with as much as I did on my favourite five.
1: Okay, that's right. I, I was blown away this is the most kubrick <laughs> film i've ever seen not made yeah. by kubrick
0: excuse the other metaphor they're blown away yeah yeah
1: but, sorry yeah. yes no,
0: yeah not I mean, he's, a, choice of words but he is a meticulous filmmaker isn't he and i think that's yeah. why you can use the kubrick comparison um yeah and it's uh f- it's funny because kubrick was going to make napoleon wasn't he actually speaking yeah. of kubrick. Um, but um yeah i think um it's an excellent. It's an excellent work that will stand the test of time. Watch it in the IMAX, by the way, which I presume is not going to be possible, pretty much now. Um, if if anyone has watched it, they'll know that that is the way to watch it. It is a. Yeah. Film.
1: They had Kodak had to build a whole new type of film for the black and white IMAX because there was no such thing as black and white IMAX film at that level of granular detail available. So they yeah. had to build a whole new fi- film just for
0: it type of film for it i mean that is the extent that they go to for to give you the experience the sense of place at the period thing you talked about scorsese in the um uh the killers of the flower moon it's kind of again it's got that very very distinct sense of place and time the the shots of the um the weapon going up into the tower yeah really feel quite visceral don't you yeah. and and the shots obviously when they do the test the main test and yeah. you get that like, pause and there's just silence, and there's just individual shots of people waiting to see what's happening, and people putting sunglasses on and yeah. hiding behind things. And um, that, that I love the fact the, expl-
1: the explosion. They didn't go yeah. CGI. They actually made a bloody great big bomb and blew it up. Obviously, not a nuclear. Why bomb, not? But they <laughs> they actually used a proper bomb. There's are very little in the way of CGI in yeah. it. They yeah they went old school on this. Mm, yeah. Um, so a little bit of history about yeah. the um, how it became to film. So originally, um, Sam Mendes uh, kind of took the option out on the book. Um, then Oliver Stone. I'm glad Oliver Stone didn't make it. I do like him, but maybe not for this. And um, eventually, ended up in Nolan's hands, who had long uh, desired to uh, make an Oppenheimer film. So Oppenheimer, um, Nolan until this film. Had always only ever worked with Warner Brothers. Oh. And then COVID happened. And um he was and I think it was Tenet, it must have been. They they just started streaming it straight away without giving at the same time as the theatre release. And he threw such a paddy and refused to work with them ever again. Uh, he then created a huge, great list of demands. That whoever was going to make this film with him that would have to kind of put up with uh, including a ninety to one hundred and twenty days theatrical window only universal came in and Oppen- uh, nolan wrote the screenplay in the first person uh, with a narrative from oppenheimer's perspective um and uh, I kind of I, it, it's quite jarring because it moves between color and black and white scenes um and, it can, to, and the way that it does it is to convey things from both a subjective and objective perspective. And so most of Oppenheimer's uh, shown in, in in the former. Um, it's a sixth collaboration between Nolan and Murphy. That is the first time Nolan's been the lead, uh, that Murphy's been the lead. Um, Nolan offered it to him on the or well, The rest of the cast were all told, do you want to do this film? And they had to sign on before they even knew what part they were playing. Yeah, <laughs> and I, th- I think they were all very happy to so um, Downey Jr Damon and uh, Matt Damon and, uh, and Emily Blunt they normally command somewhere between 10 and 20 million dollars a film they all took 4 million dollars to, just to be mm-hmm. part of this particular project because they obviously they knew that they wanted to it's not like obviously Leonardo DiCaprio and it's 30 million dollars for hitters <laughs> of the yeah. flower moon um, so one other thing I didn't realise so in order to come in on budget um, they had to compress the shooting schedule, so they worked out that it, to, to shoot it properly was going to take eighty-five days. But they didn't have the budget for that, so they compressed it to fifty-five days. So for poor old Killian Murphy, who's in almost every single frame, he had a, he had a rough time with it. I think he I think he called the scheduling absolutely insane. Um,
0: yeah. But I
1: mean, you don't see any of this on the screen. You know, <laughs> normally when it, when there's a troubled film. You can kind of get the sense of it when you actually watch the film. None of this; it just it, it's yeah. there. It, it, it it's absolutely, absolutely perfect. Um, and the I mean, we talk about the other types of attention to detail. So Los Alamos, the the, the 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 sort of the town where they where they they build near, build their kind of whole to do the research in, it's yeah. changed so much since the nineteen forties. That they couldn't just go and film there and CGI a couple of bits out. It's been completely revamped. So they had to go and rebuild a whole new Los, uh, Los Alamos town in the desert.
0: They spent over three months building this huge, great town. They filmed in it for six days and then took it down again. <laughs> Which is kind of, well, maybe not the six day bit, but the rest of it is kind of quite appropriate, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> building a whole new town for a project is exactly what Oppenheimer and his cohorts were doing. So, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, yeah. obviously I mean, it's historically accurate, um, about as historically accurate as it gets for Hollywood yeah. uh, some scenes taken word from word from books or from real life events there's a couple of small embellishments for the most part, so I mean we talked a little bit earlier about how well it's done financially the second highest grossing R film of all time uh, behind Joker, the highest bi- biographical film of all time, it's surpassed Bohemian Rhapsody, the highest grossing World War II film of all time surpassing Dunkirk ah previous previous uh christopher yeah. nolan film I yeah i thought it was absolutely fantastic famously obviously it was released on the same day as barbie which created the barbenheimer uh phenomenon of which yeah, is the Barbie's weirdest, the number one for you. double bill film. in history barbie's the number one for you is it <laughs> did you watch barbie yeah i thought it was all right it was all right <laughs> yeah there's a few funny there's, i mean it's this, I quite enjoyed it. There's a few bits in it that made me laugh. I didn't quite understand all the massive in- and, and you know, incredible reviews that I got. I thought it was good, it was like a sort of six yeah. six six and a half out of ten for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was
0: watchable, it was good, it was fun, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. it, yeah. With Oppenheimer, I was going to say, I mean, the thing is, especially as it pertains to um, IMAX, those sort of enormous scale vast scale kind of productions epics uh epic in visual sense um are usually not drama based this is drama based it's all yeah. conversational isn't it about okay there's the testing site seen in the desert in Los Angeles still California. very tense isn't it but, but it's very tense but it is drama based and yeah it's kind of unusual to have such an it's normally a,
1: but a, a superhero film or yeah like exactly a historical epic yeah. or
0: yeah and that overwrought sound as well, that whole tension that's built around the, the throbbing soundtrack, uh, again, doesn't normally go with the drama. Yeah,
1: so the L- Ludwig Göransson composed a score. He's quite young, I think. He's um, He also did Tenet. Um, I think Nolan basically said to him, I want violins for Oppenheimer. and the rest of it's up for you. As this kind of central theme. But yeah, it's uh, an incredible film. Um one curious point uh, to part out: It was not initially released in Japan. Um, yes. The primary distributors in Japan didn't want to release it. I think it got picked up by an indie distributor in the end, and yeah. that's how it way it went out there.
0: Yeah, my wife obviously. is Japanese. She was in Japan when it got released, and okay. she would have watched it. Because I said, "Well, I'm going to watch it at the IMAX with my mates," um, yeah. and she said, "Oh, well, yeah, I would check it out, but it's not on release here at the t- at the moment. It's obviously a very 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 sore subject yeah yeah I understand um, to be so yeah and um fascinating era and i said it's an underrepresented subject matter in terms of the oppenheimer himself and the yeah of how everything developed so i mean i'm sure historians will know, know plenty about it but the average joe on the street would not know much more than the name mm so yeah I, I i really always appreciate christopher nolan's work i think he's um a masterful filmmaker yeah. always interested in what he's doing i was very disappointed with tenet because i thought it was it was yeah. below the standard um but as i said apart from that i've loved everything or at least yeah i, I don't it. i don't
1: think it's, it's my favorite Nolan no. film.
0: no it's top three
1: probably i'd have Prestige and Interstellar maybe, and uh, no, I'd have Inception. I think probably actually. So I don't know. It's it's yeah. in the mix. It's in it's in the. Top, and don't panic, um, ladies
0: and gentlemen, because we're not going to be doing Nolan for We age. won't be doing that anytime we'll soon. More he's films too young. To make, he's got, yeah. got a lot
1: more film. Yeah, exactly. I'd love to know what he's going to make next. Um. Yeah. And well, I'd like to see him do it like a I mean he's done a couple of big historic films. I'd love to see him do another spy film yeah. or something
0: or some I just, I just hope see. he doesn't go the way of the Ridley Scott, who to me has been disappointing in the large part for many, many years now. The, I really enjoyed the Martian, but there's there's not a great yeah. the stuff that I really loved of his and um the last twenty years that, yeah. that, that <laughs> just black, black
1: all down, I think um martian's anyone one that i've really yeah since then kingdom of heaven was good Brad lord of town was good since then it's yeah
0: i think we can do We've got really gladiator
1: good. 2 to come i think i don't know if that's this year yeah. or next year i i reserve my doubts yeah. about, about that we shall see <laughs>
0: We can probably do Ridley Scott. Well, he's 86 I, now, isn't he I, Yeah, he's, older. he's a bit older than I thought he was. I thought he was about 80, yeah. 86. Yeah, you're right. Um, He's not going to produce many masterpieces from this point on, is he? We'll wait for Gladiator 2 before we do that one. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but there we go. But yeah, well... So,
1: yeah, obviously, critical claim. I reckon this is going to sweep the board in the Oscars. If yeah. you're listening to this in the future, Don't. I may be wrong, but uh, I would be very <laughs> surprised if it if it doesn't. I think... I think it,
0: it, technically it's technical stuff everything. it'll clean the clean the board acting yeah. and film and scripts and stuff who knows, but yeah there's a good chance it might do on that one as well they tend that's yeah. one of the issues the many issues I've got with the Oscars is it tends to go completely full or overweight on one on one film doesn't yeah. it there's films that been I've been particularly recently that's been happening more and more and yeah. more yeah yeah so uh yeah any anything else on that one, or shall I move on to my two my no two?
1: i would um Oh, no, that was it. I'm sure most people have seen it. Uh, if not, uh, yeah, make sure you do.
0: Yeah. Well, you're John Wick to my Women Talking. We've almost got the same kind of like massive contrast. Our uh, number twos, so you've got Oppenheimer, and I've got a film which could not be, probably, probably could, but not by much smaller budget. Um, it's right at the other end of the scale. Um, I've moved countries again, uh, this time to England. Another female director charlotte regan uh the film is scrapper which is a low-budget british I've drama never heard of it <laughs> this is great you see <laughs> i, I would...
1: feel really ignorant doing these sort of
0: things No, don't. Me. i mean this is the thing with films of the year i think this is the the beauty and maybe frustration of this is that you can pull stuff out of the bag uh, pull stuff out of the hat that no one's ever heard of um that's maybe maybe the good thing about it because um even if people are avid film goers, as we've just proved ourselves amongst ourselves you can still end up missing stuff. Um
1: and this is When yeah. you said when you said English um film with a female director, I was thinking, Oh, is he going for Saltburn? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, another female director, another good film actually. Yeah. A couple of bits I wasn't quite yeah. quite struck on. But actually, I really get it. she's a really She's great though.
1: She did Promising Young Woman before, didn't yeah, she? She's good. She's
0: yeah. good. Emerald Fennel, isn't it? The, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's not in that's not in my top five. No, but, no, my, mine either, it's one yeah. of the honourable mentions for later. No, this film is called Scrapper. Mm. It's a very low budget film. As I mentioned it's Charlotte Regan is the name of the director, um, who also is the writer. Um the cast is not really anyone famous. The the main lead is a twelve year old girl. And as far as I know, it's a debut role, certainly in terms of significance it is. this. Lola Campbell, her name, who plays Georgie. Uh you've got um uh who is it i'm trying to remember his name can't see it on here actually Uh, where's it gone um no i can't find it okay i'm gonna read from my um the rotten tomatoes thing actually is quite a a good source for this one so i'm going to see what they've they've got to say on the matter um so essentially this is i've just lost my place a vibrant and inventive father-daughter comedy, which follows Georgie, Loda Campbell, a resourceful, uh, she very much is a resourceful, yeah. 12-year-old girl who secretly lives alone in her flat in a working-class suburb of London following the death of her mother. Uh, the father is absent, basically, in this story. Okay. She's prancing around in a West Ham shirt that she seems to be wearing all the time. Okay. She washes it and dries it overnight or something, yeah. but who knows? Anyway, um, so yeah, her, her, her death, death of her mother... She has somehow managed to evade the social services and she's living, she's managing to survive doing hooky stuff to do with stolen bikes and all that sort of thing. Yeah, fund herself through living. She's not going to school. Um, she makes money stealing bikes, and her best friend, Ali, played by Alan Uzun, uh, collaborates with her on that. He's, he looks like a slightly older boy, but. You know they—they're obviously friends from the estate, uh, and it says uh, it keeps the social workers off her back by pretending that she lives with an uncle, a fictional uncle. Out of nowhere, her estranged father, Jason Harris Dickinson—that's the name I was trying to remember. Yeah, in, oh, um, he's in lots of stuff
1: recently, isn't uh, he? Loads of
0: stuff. Yeah, he's—he's he's, he's one of the um, rising stars that yeah. will probably have it. So he's in um, where the crawdads grow, and yeah, are, uh, anyway, he's the yeah. I say yeah. He's in the he—he uh, he plays the estranged father. Um, Jason, Um, And he arrives and forces her to confront reality. Uninterested in this sudden new parental figure, Georgie is stubbornly resistant to his efforts. As they adjust to their new circumstances, Georgie and Jason find that they both still have a lot of growing up to do. Winner of a grand jury prize at the Sundance Film Festival. That's the festival I don't mind. (laughs) It's a Robert Redford one, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scrapper is full of spirit, humour and formal inventiveness that sets it apart from much of British working class cinema. Dickinson and remarkable newcomer Campbell, she really is remarkable too, imbue irresistible charm in this moving and frequently hilarious story of two emotionally tangled people, a grieving kid thrust into adulthood and a father in over his head. Content, uh, content Collapsed. Um, I think that's an absolutely superb summary of it, actually, because that really does encapsulate everything yeah. this film's about. Lola Campbell is is brilliant in this. When you watch kids acting sometimes, and the lad in Belfast, the Kenneth Branagh film, is the same, oh, yeah. you just think, my God, they've just got it all already. It can yeah. only downhill from here, surely, because they can't get any better. Um, she is absolutely brilliant. She's a very charismatic presence really photogenic as you'd have to be obviously to be on film but there's something almost off the scale in photogenic yeah. really is that captivating on the screen she's very much the working class landoner you know but um she's got a lot of character a lot of a spikiness a lot of um but a lot of charm and wit in her performance as well i don't know how the how it worked in terms of the direction and how they got the performance out of her but she is absolutely superb um fantastic. And, She's. I, I think the actor the actor is just as the character is uh, mature for their age because yeah. they uh, one one because they're in a film one because they're surviving in working class London um, and Harris Dickinson's brilliant in it as well yeah um, he's he's been abroad in Spain living in Spain doing a a sort of sketchy kind of music based existence uh, with no real material to his uh, character at all but once he comes back and interacts with her. He gains, as I said, they both grow up a lot. He gains a lot from from the interaction yeah. with her. It's a pretty frosty relationship at first, and it's quite edgy. And you could see the potential for loads of cliches, and every single one of those are avoided because oh, it's it fresh and natural and original as far as a drama set in London can be. Yeah. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, Charlotte Regan is, I, I mean... She's a talent, one of a number of four of my top five. Yeah, that's directors, um, which tells oh, you one your... of mine. That's horrendous. Sorry. Well, no, I mean, I mean, you have not seen a couple of these films, so yeah, blame for that. Um, I'm trying to any find any of them. Of I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. I mean, she's. Um, I'm going to look out again for her stuff. I don't know how she'll work with more with more money. Yeah, down the times, um, but she is. I think she's 29 years old from Islington. Um, she started directing music videos for local rappers, apparently, when she was only 15 years old. Yeah. did over 300 um, low or no-budget music promos. So she's got a lot of visual experience, film yeah. experience of a sort. You do get the sense there's a bit of flair to this, actually. Um, when I checked, I, I remember I checked at the time. It's weird.
1: In, in, in the sort of 70s and 80s, all of the... Um... A lot of the directors, came, the young directors then came up doing um, adverts like Tony and Ridley Scott, et cetera. But it does seem that from the sort of 90s onwards, it, it's music videos is where lots and lots of people come from.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, even the likes of David Fincher, I think, started out doing stuff like that, you know. Yeah, lo- loads of people did. Yeah, I'm trying to think now. There's there's some pretty famous names that have come through that, uh, that channel. I think Danny Boyle did, didn't he, as well? Yeah. I think there's loads loads out there. Um, It's it's a low-budget film, but it doesn't feel... You know how sometimes you watch a low-budget film and you wish they had a bit more money and it just had more of a visceral and visual kind of quality to it this does have that it feels very vibrant it kind of jumps off the screen at you and um i'm not a big fan of west ham united that's for sure and my my cousin Stephen is and he's he's, i think he listens to this certainly he is his brother my other cousin john does so hello john if you're listening uh to this um but Stephen's a west ham fan um i'm not so it, it takes a lot for me to tolerate a west ham shirt on the screen for so long and still <laughs> i still managed to put this in my top two never mind my top five
2: yeah
0: <laughs> um it's it's got humor in it it's i think all of the best of these i don't know if you want to still call them kitchen sink working class dramas yeah. but those those films that have got Character and humour and a bit of drive, so they're not like Ken Loach films, which are a bit more just social. Yeah. Right These films are yeah more like the um loneliness of the long distance runner. They've got that edge to them. There's a bit yeah, and a bit more. There's learning. been quite a
1: few films like that recently. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. There
1: was a good one a couple of years ago called Rocks.
0: Oh, that's great. The... It's a brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we're in a golden age for those yeah. type of films. Maybe in America as well, but definitely in in Europe and specifically in the UK, I think there's a load of social conscience. There's a lot of good actors and there's a lot of good directors and there's a lot of good writers. Yeah, and I'm, not all the time, but sometimes I like to watch a film where I don't know who anyone is. Yes, I did know who Harris Dickinson was, don't mind, you know. But you don't know who the main actors are. And I think, in a way, that can make you be even more immersed in a story because you're not thinking, oh, Anthony Hopkins did – one life which i come yeah. out and you know on the one hand you're going oh he's great and this is great an interesting story there's always a moment when you think oh yeah I'm, i've I'm seen him that. do
1: this before
0: yeah, yeah. Or at least great it, as it is yeah yeah you're thinking it's that really good actor doing that really good role whereas when you don't know the actor at yeah. all you completely forget it's an actor until afterwards when you think about it and loda campbell look out for her she's she's brilliant look out for the director charlotte regan she's she's yeah. great um I, I felt it was worthy of a place that high up in the list because... That's amazing. Um, I'm going to have if, to watch if, this now. It's considered context. I'll
1: try and hunt it down.
0: etc. it, Yeah. Yeah. Look out for it. It's fantastic. I think that might be on Amazon Prime as well, but I'm not okay. sure. But, it. um, it'll be somewhere. It'll be somewhere. Yeah. Brilliant. Can we take a quick break? Well, yes, indeed. When we come back in part three, our final part, we'll do our number ones then. Honourable mentions, you. and there's a long list of those. Yes. And, um, we have And so, drum roll, everybody! We're into our number ones. Number ones.
1: I've moved on to the Dark Star hops hophead.
0: The uh, very, very tried and trusted. You can't be, you can't be a bit of Dark Star, can you? Um, I'm just continuing to work my way through this bottle of red. <laughs> very nice,
1: fantastic. Yeah, right. So <laughs> n- number one, this will come as absolutely no surprise to anybody that knows me. Obviously, it's a new Mission Impossible film. (laughs) So I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, So, yeah, to give it its full title, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part One. Um, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. Essentially, it's a MacGuffin movie. A artificial intelligence has escaped um it has a couple of human kind of uh employees played by uh, Isai Morales who's you probably recognize from Ozark if you've seen it he's brilliant and um, Pom Clementieff um as Paris uh who's a French assassin um who works with him um un- unbelievably actually the Paris is an actual character in the Mission Impossible TV ju- uh, show played by Leonard Nimoy <laughs> Oh, wow. aka Mr Spock but yes. um, it's it, it's basically a MacGuffin film they're looking for two parts of a key and you have a chase all the way around the world looking for it with loads of incredible set pieces it's another quite a long film it's two and three quarter hours or whatever but it's just great I absolutely loved it um, the usual crowd are back Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt um, Ving Rames is back as one of his team Simon Pegg is back as one of his team Rebecca Ferguson's back um vanessa kirby uh who was in the previous film fallout she's back um who's in the, and the uh, only kind of new member of the team is uh hayley atwell who comes in as grace who is uh, a teacher from brighton apparently not really she's a she's a
0: a thief and she becomes the new ally uh, and Absolutely. she she's great let me stop you there phil maybe at some point we should do Films that feature Brighton, either in mentions or, or locations. Because there's there loads of that, go. Like the, um, the Jude Law, Sherlock stuff and all that.
1: Quadra Athena, yeah.
0: obviously, and all Death Wish. And, uh, not Death Wish, what's it called? Um, Dirty Weekend, all that sort yeah. of stuff. She's a teacher, but yes, I've forgotten that. Yeah, Brighton yeah. gets in this. Not bad, eh? Not bad. But yeah,
1: so it is your, uh, I mean, uh, so as uh, for those that don't know Mission Impossible Films, this is number seven. First one, Brian De Palma was all right. Second one, John Wu, was actually pretty terrible, apart from the last 20 minutes, 30 minutes, which were great. um despite, And I absolutely love John Wu. Third one, JJ Abrams, was quite good fun. It was all right. Um, and they, they, they kind of kick started from the third one, and they've retained pretty much the same cast uh, since. After that, you had Rogue Nation and Ghost Protocol, which were both pretty good i quite enjoyed them the film before this uh, fallout is absolutely brilliant fantastic uh well worth watching this one follows on from that you don't have to watch fallout before but these two are are the best of the the franchise by a uh, country margin um country margin country mile mile. and drinking can't you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah fallout's the one with henry cavill in it um yeah so that was that's absolutely brilliant this this is is it's more of the same um it so it's part one so we I mean we do get a satisfying conclusion of this but that we know that there's going to be another sequel that's going to come out in May 2025 um this so this was a film they started filming years ago I mean it all the way through COVID they must have been filming this I mean they started filming it in 2020 Um, It didn't obviously came out until 2023. You can't tell from watching it. It's not like Tom Cruise looks older in each scene, but it was very, very interrupted by COVID. Um, It was a box office disappointment, although apparently Paramount received £57 million in COVID insurance payouts. So it's not as bad as it could have been. Um, I think the other reason it struggled a bit at the... uh, at the box offices it came out at the same time as barbenheimer which took out a lot of the screens particularly a lot of the oppenheimer in particular took a lot of the imax screens that this would have played on but it, it has had full critical acclaim um it's it's up there as the best in the series it's you know world stakes epic set pieces um it it, it is essentially, it's a MacGuffin film that moves from set piece to set piece to set piece to set piece. You don't get really so much in the way of character development. But what you you lacks in that is just as a pure thrill ride, it's fantastic. I mean, in the beginning, you have an airport where they're trying to kind of work out who it is and there's a bomb that needs to be dissolved the bomb that they need to kind of switch off. Then it moves yeah, through um, to, there's there's a section in Rome where there's an incredible car chase, oh, including yes. going down the Spanish steps. <laughs> um, and then the, the last 45 minutes is a train through the Austrian Alps, which is basically <laughs> white knuckle. 45 minutes, it's absolutely relentless. <laughs> it is a oh. um, blockbuster thriller film at its peak really this uh, of the kind of james bond ripoff films this is this is the best
0: anyway. yeah it is it's got that james bond element to it the stunt work hasn't it in that last section um this didn't make my top five this is very close to it well, i'm very it?
1: happy you went to see it cinema.
0: i did off your recommendation actually yes someone else's um it's hugely enjoyable i've got to explain my mission impossible relationship is i saw the first one to i think possibly the third i can't remember and thought it was getting gradually more ridiculous and not actually that enjoyable well i haven't seen the last two before this one which you've just said a, a dear, the, a, a the one jacket.
1: before this fallout
0: is well well worth watching yeah.
1: fantastic yeah. car chase through paris all of that yeah. you know it's a it's a similar length it's a similar layout it it's similarly preposterous but an incredibly entertaining one. Yeah,
0: and this this one certainly the one i have seen more recently which is this one dem reckoning part one is hugely enjoyable. Yeah, it's great. There's a couple of wishy-washy exp- expositional bits at the beginning, yeah. when like, face change stuff going on. Uh, okay, whatever. And um, after that, when it gets into the nitty-gritty, it's yeah, it's MacGuffin as you said, but it's it's rip-roaring yarn, fun type stuff. The stunts in that last forty-five minutes or whatever, oh, it's
1: it's lovely. I mean, there is CGI it's in it. A lot of not CGI in it yes. as well. A lot of it, they, I mean, they've obviously used computers for a lot of it, but it's not like, I don't mean to slag off superhero films all the time, but it's not like those where every single stunt is CGI. You, you can tell that Tom Cruise did, I don't know, half, two thirds of the stunts. So then they probably changed some of the backgrounds to make the drops that are bigger or, or whatever. But it's, yeah.
0: Oh, I mean, I... In, in terms of tension, it, it's, it's, you Know world class, it's right up there. I mean, that, that's a proper stunt, and as I've, I've said many times, action stuff can easily switch me off. So, if I'm being engaged by it, that's the mark of if if anyone's not sure, that's the mark of yeah, it's yeah, fine. see, it really is hugely entertaining. You've got to hand it to Tom Cruise. I think he's,
1: I mean, he's, almost, he's almost
0: 60, is he not sick? He might be 60, he's by over now. 60, isn't he? Isn't yeah, he something like that? He, he's. I mean, he, he's he's very engaging character. I think he's probably quite likable in a just a, a general social setting. If you ever met him, I'm guessing he's that kind of guy. He's yeah. larger than life as a character. Clearly, the banter that he has with uh, Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg is just hilarious. Yeah, it's great, and he, he's hugely engaging, hugely entertaining. He obviously, as you said, he's very hands on as far as he can be, and uh, he's looks after himself well. And he, he yeah. yeah. It's highly commendable whatever, he's, whatever degree of, of stunt work's gone into this. He's clearly done more than the average by some mm-hmm. margin, and that is incredible. Uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, isolate anyone, what's the word, um, uh, to disenfranchise anyone from listening to this podcast, but I'm not a fan of Scientology. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I, who cares about that when it's just about no. entertainment? And when it comes to film entertainment, he's one of the old guard, isn't he? And he's still doing it. Um, yeah. i it to him. This is uh, hugely enjoyable, really good. I mean, a a good cast of likeable characters. As I said, I haven't engaged with the franchise as much as you have. Yeah. You can see that it's a well-worn and well-liked combination. You can see they're all... All the parts are fitting together. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? And then when it comes to the stunt work, it's unapologetically fun, uh, just outrageous, uh, but but hilarious. Yeah. Um, Entertaining quite bondy and but, but you get you get your locations as well you get rome you get venice you get the austrian oh, alps that's what you want that's what uh, it's all yeah. about yeah yeah it's great and i was highly tempted to put this in purely for the um the general feel good fun factor of it and those stunts in the final mm. s- stages technically speaking superb great some great stuff in yeah there. really really good
1: if, if uh, i don't mean to repeat myself but if you have not seen this and you're thinking I should watch this and watch Fallout first, and then this, because the two of them are equally brilliant. And there is, there are some kind of characters that come in Fallout for the first
0: time that are then in this film as well. Fallout. Uh, Sorry, do so you say Fallout was the sixth one? Sixth one, yeah, yeah. So would, would you watch the fifth as well? Would um, I wouldn't worry about
1: it too much. Um, I, I mean, Fallout has got one of the the characters from the third one in it, but you don't need to worry about that That's so much. Okay. So Fallout... Oh, I mean the fourth, third, fourth, fifth ones—they're good. They're they're a seven out of ten. They're good fun. And um, they're called Mission Impossible three. One's called Rogue Nation, and one's called Ghost Protocol. They're all right. They're good. There's some good bits in it. They're good fun. They're not classic. I'd say the last two, Fallout, and this one, They're Reckoning, classic. They're they're, the, they're I'd say they're the,
0: the 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 top kind of action thrillers of this century. The only problem, Phil, is we've now created what I would like to call cineast anxiety, which is that you're now thinking, right, there's obviously another part. You now need that to be as good as this part. Is it going to be as good? Who knows? Yeah. Well, got, well, I think
1: the next one is going to be part. the last one, isn't it? I think. It? The, oh, is the, it? The part, Dead right. reckoning Part 2. I think after by the time this comes out, yeah, I think Tom Cruise will be well into his 60s. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I kind of think that maybe he'll put it to bed. Then we'll, we shall wait and see what, what he has planned. So that I mean that's not due out until May twenty five. Um, I think they were shot back to back. So
0: yeah,
2: hmm.
0: uh, think, yeah, yeah. So, so I understand, which is great. I mean that's good because it'll add an element of consistency to it. You don't want it when it's kind of jarring. They're supposed to be yeah five years younger or something. But um, I
1: mean, you basically just think yeah, it's like a Bond film. Uh, really, it's an American version, but the stunts are big, they're clever, the, the tension, the, um, the the thrill ride you go on this, it's a real experience, I mean, watching it at the cinema was fantastic, I'm to get a chance to see the IMAX, but I'm sure it will work just as well on the small screen, please, yep. if you haven't watched it and you want a proper Saturday Night film, you will not get
0: anything better that's come out in the last few years. Yeah, Saturday Night Entertainment. That's a good yeah. way of coming, actually. Yeah, very much so. Right. This, unfortunately, the way it's worked out is a bit anticlimactical uh, because it's something that's already been mentioned. And I've, I've You've gone for
1: past lives at number one, haven't
0: you? I have indeed. Yes, I have indeed. Celine Song, another female director. I gave you the clue, of course. Yeah, on. it must have been that, based on all things considered. Uh, you knew this was going to be in my five when I mentioned. I had I had an <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it, was that, it was that or something else. Yes, it's the 36-year-old, a Korean-Canadian director, playwright, screenwriter, based in the United States, Celine Song's film, Past Lives. We've already talked about it, not much more to say other than to say it's an absolute charm fest. Um, it's great. I love it. I, I think character-based cinema that's done, that's shot. that still looks really good on the screen. You know, it's not just drab and boring. It's, you know, it's engaging, yeah. you know, visually interesting on the screen as well um you get a real sense of the cultural uh, traversion that's going on between one yeah the the one culture and the other culture that they've uh that obviously um, the main character the female character has moved to uh canada isn't it yeah and she's immersed herself in that culture and she's got a bit of a mixed accent and this that and the other and she's got dual culture as well as uh, dual heritage uh, of, of assault i suppose um and then you've got this other character, the long lost school yeah. um age friend who's come over, who's obviously very much Korean Korean, um, and seeing his in, in the way he engages in that environment and obviously the interesting kind of small elements of interaction there is with her husband. Yeah. Um that interesting notion of the, the childhood love and how that can yeah a jarring scenario in a in a relationship. It's not played up on too much, which I quite liked. I like the fact it's not...
1: No, it's, it's so very... It's um, lovely, is it? Which is nice. Yeah, it's very realistic.
0: Yeah, and that, when it's done well, is is commendable and it's uh, it really hits the mark. And that's what this film did. It's been It's captured the heart of the audience. I think we read out a thing earlier there that um, a lot of word of mouth was on this as well. People would watch it and recommend it to a handful of people. They'd recommend it to a handful of people. And I do love that, the genesis of those films that do well by word of mouth, more than just through marketing and heavy advertising, or just the fact that it's um, a well popular and well liked, you know, actor, director, whatever it might be, you know, people aren't just going along because it's just Spielberg or whatever, they're going along because they've been told it's good by a friend, a trusted relative or whoever it might be, and I like the when those films grow like that and this is this is kind of a, a slow burner I suppose in that regard isn't it maybe yeah. it's to find its audience more and more as time goes on unlike other films it's been critically acclaimed certain other stuff has been panned by the critics and gone on to be yeah. a learning success shawshank redemption and things like that but this one yeah it's it's a winner it's it's really yeah. good It's charming it's lovely uh it's just um mature but, likable and engaging, and it's a small film in some ways it's a big film, it's very big, heart. Yeah. so it's big in other ways, yeah, yeah, I love it, it's great, it's good. I could have had all sorts of orders for these films, um it yeah. you you obviously a lot of your measure goes on entertainments
2: well you, well order. how much
0: I think about it and how much I want to watch it yeah again, how much yeah. I want to watch it again. yeah, yeah, and I think well, probably I could watch any of these films again, um. I'm not sure about John Wick from your selection I have to have to see about that. That's Correct.
1: fair enough. That's no problem.
0: But Mission I completely Impossible. understand that that's me. I I could watch that more than once. Mission Impossible. Yeah. Great fun. Great fun. Yeah. Uh so that's
1: that's right. it. So me. honorable mentions. Yes.
0: Yeah, let's go I, with that. So I've got a list, you've got a list. Where do you want to start? Shall I go first? Yeah, sure. All right. Well, there's quite a few things I saw. I mentioned I've watched loads of stuff this year. One thing, another film which I thought was from 2022, turned out it's from 2023, same as um, Women Talking, was what I think is pronounced as Enish main, which is E-N-Y-S and then a separate word, M-E-N. Apparently it's Enish main. Um, It's by the guy who made Bait, which is a Cornish yeah. film, set in black and white, low budget, done in a really old school f- Smaller front, I think it's sixteen millimeter. That he's filmed it in yeah. with very coarse, trebly sort of soundtrack.
2: Yeah. And this
0: film is kind of in the same vein. He's got a very strong sense of um, of kind of low budget seventies, not not necessarily Hammer films or anything like that, but low budget kind of horror films of that era. Yeah, horror and kind of oddball dramas and maybe even art housey films. There's a real tangible sense of um influence from the past an uh, interesting director um it was uh, mark jenkin by the way his name um and i had i went along it was A Q&A with Stuart lee who's a fantastic comedian oh yeah and, and a local he's to amazing. that area yeah he's brilliant I, I saw him just before christmas by the way still on top form yeah uh, on one of his gigs but anyway he was he was uh he's a local to the area and he um he interviewed the director at the hackney picture house and that was a really good evening. And that started yeah. off. That was, I think, literally the first new film, uh, UK release film that I've seen this year. Empire of Light, which again had a strong sense of history. It's a serviceable British drama. One film, apart from the ones we've already mentioned, that nearly made my list is a really interesting film from Iran called Holy Spider. Have you seen that? Oh, no, again, I've not heard of it. Have a look at it, it's really interesting. Okay. It, because Iranian cinema, maybe we'll go on to that subject at one point in the future, a lot of it is to do with political dramas and social yeah. dramas and, and women's place in society and you know, the struggles for for them dealing with social issues in a, a very uh, patriarchal society with patriarchal laws. Yeah. And you think at the beginning of this film it's going in a similar direction. As in then- Persepolis, yeah. Seppulus, yeah, is another one, yeah, and and there's I forgot his name. There's a there's a prominent I think band film director who makes a lot of social comments
2: yeah.
0: on in society. But Holy Spider is in, seems to be in that same vein. It's shot in the same style, fairly low budget, kind of feels quite earthy and quite socio realistic, if you want to call it that. But then it turns out we're talking about a little bit of a a kind of like a horror slash serial killer type thing it turns out there's a character in it who's uh there's a lot more to in than you first thought and it takes a really dark edge and goes in a totally different direction oh, okay i've seen before and much as all of those films i've just described from iran are really really good um this is good but different as well and it really hit the mark i thought that was an excellent film i didn't like tar uh the Kate blanchett film she's brilliant. There's, been,
1: there's been a couple of uh uh conductor films this year there's maestro with uh
0: yeah as and well i would be
1: honest i didn't watch either of them it, it, the subject matter just has very little
0: in a way of yeah, appeal for I, me i don't think i'm going to enjoy maestro i haven't seen it yet but i know it's not going to be in my top five tara i did see at the cinema she is superb blanchett is always brilliant yeah. it's number three hours long as well isn't yeah you? it's massively too long um and I just didn't, I, I I think it was massively self-indulgent. I didn't like it much, to be okay. honest. I could appreciate the quality, the well-filmed, the acting's brilliant. Uh, it really captures the sense and the it notion of what I could, you know, that sort of character might be like. And much as she's good, I didn't really like it that much. Argentina, we might talk about South America in a moment. Argentina produced a film called The Substitute, which was good. Poland produced a film called EO. Which I've is, heard about that one. Yeah, is that Captain, the one about the donkey or something? The donkey, yeah. That's yeah. quite good. It didn't quite hit as much of a high mark as I'd hoped. It's capital E, capital O, by the way. Yeah. E, I think it's pronounced. Um, interesting film, though. Korea's pr- produced a few things. There was um Return to Seoul and there was Decision to Leave, both of which were quite good, but I think special. Yeah. Marcel, the, the, the shell with shoes on, which we mentioned. Um, the Fableman's from, from, um, Spielberg. so that, that
1: the Stephen Spielberg, see, that, that was a bit self indulgent for me. It was basically yeah. a semi autobiographical tale about his childhood, which I wouldn't really
0: find very interesting. It was like, okay, so that's what you did when you were younger. Yeah. Good for you. You know what? I've, I've been thinking about why I wasn't overly endeared to that. And I think you've just hit the nail on the head. It's actually just not that interesting a story. No. There's a couple of elements are, but most of it isn't. Um, Interesting film called Joyland, Broker, Coriada. I thought Broker was great.
1: Yeah, we mentioned yeah. that earlier.
0: Close, a Belgian film about two lads. And there's a bit of a love kind of interest between them. They're adolescents, but you can yeah. see there's a burgeoning love between them. And there's a, it's a really quite um, tough storyline to it, actually. It's kind of a really interesting film. Close, um, beautifully shot, really sensitive portrayal of um, young friendship. and 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 kind of familial relationships and all that sort of thing um really good lunana a yak in the classroom which is just great it's about a guy who travels on foot for days to get to this um i can't remember where it is exactly but it's it's nepal or something like that yeah completely in the middle of nowhere this this guy has been commissioned to teach a load of primary school kids in what is essentially like a, a shack um And of course, he doesn't want to be there and all the rest of it. And you can see the story goes. He ends up warming himself to the characters and their eccentricities, inspiring them. And it's a heartwarming story. But it's it's great. What I love about that is it's telling you a story about some world that is just so alien to us, so different and beautifully shot. And there is a yak in a classroom at one point, I can confirm. (laughs) Um, Hallelujah, which is an interesting story. British low-budget thing. I don't want to say what it's about other than say it's worth seeing. Because if I say what it's about, it will kind of give the plot away. Okay. Other than just say quite a lot of British acting talent. Yeah. In um, It's got Jennifer Saunders in one of the key roles. And it's about her where the the story is really oh, okay. interesting. She's good in it. She's good. Yeah. It. yeah. Hallelujah. Um, You've got um Luther, the fallen son wasn't very good. Um, The Beasts, Spanish film, which is interesting. It's set in a rural sort of location close to the border with, um, I think it's Corsicans have moved into an area close to the French border within Spain. And there's a lot of tensions and some brutal activities going on, quite tense, very similar to a film called Pamphia, which is from Eastern Europe, which is um, a really vibrant film. I find Eastern European cinema quite interesting in the way they they're very visual very fiery literally fiery yeah um interesting film worth seeing uh the night of the 12th french film i can't remember what that was actually uh 1976 a film set in 1976 (laughs) which is a chilean argentinian co-production. okay a bit underwhelmed with that actually i love the they've had a real sense of the era but yeah it's about someone harboring a dissident who has been wanted by the argentinian Government, I think, or the Chilean government, and he's being hidden. I think, I think he's Chilean in Argentina. I think that's right. Yeah, being hidden. Um, that's interesting. God's Creatures, which features Emily Watson and Paul Mescal, who, of course, is um, oh yeah, is a rising star. He was in yeah. America, last year uh, the film where he's, he's there on, on holiday with his daughter in yeah. In, i think it's in spain and um he's, he's
1: got other of, film out at the moment isn't he that's getting all the rave reviews yeah
0: yeah which i've which i've seen with which andrew scott, was, scott yeah 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 which is called um uh, all of us strangers yeah yeah which is, which is good he's very good ball mascal um the pale blue eye with christian bell wasn't much return to soul wasn't much the oldest comedy club in britain featuring Stuart lee amongst others being interviewed oh, about. Okay. The comedy club, which is essentially the basement of a pub in Crouch End, actually. Yeah. Um, I watched it in Crouch End, so it's quite, quite nice at the King's Head, and it had a Q and A with a load of um, comedians. Um Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Have You seen that? No, I haven't. Mean, I heard
1: good things.
0: Yeah, it's based. It's on not really a... the sort of subject matter that appeals to me. No, I've got to say it. I mean, it's based on a very popular novel. Yeah. Had a, a lot of anticipation because of that. Um, It's a very charming film. I thought I was going to think that's not going to be really for me, but actually, I really enjoyed it. It was good. Good. Um, There's the Eight Mountains, which is about two Italian. It's basically a love story, not a sexual love story, but a love story. Two mates in who are both Italian and who who've they've got a relationship with a again a a remote location. It's called the Eight Mountains because it's a very hilly area and. um, one of them goes away. The other one stays and sets up a family there. And it's about the estranged relationship and then coming back. We're touching a little story. Plan 75, another Japanese film. Have you seen that, Phil? No, I've not heard of
1: that one either. Showing this is again the notion
0: of um, approving a plan for consent, a fully consensual um, uh, euthanasia at the age of 75 yeah. due to population issues. It's kind of a fictional scenario, but it could easily be a yeah. political plan offering the option for people to um, to be given a bit of money to enjoy themselves for a month or two and then be euthanized, if that's the right word. Um, interesting story, some interesting yeah. elements to that. Um, there's a few uh, loads of other stuff I've seen, but just to quickly po- po- point out one or two others. Asteroid City, the latest Wes Anderson, yeah. which was bad. Very Wes Anderson. Not yeah. his best, but not bad. But it was all right. Uh, Le Syndicaliste, French film about, um, again, a social drama about someone in a syndicate. Um, good, good acting, low budget, not bad. Um, and then there's, uh, we mentioned Oppenheimer, Namie Love which is an interesting little film. Um, what else have we got? Le Limoncita, Le, Le, Le Iman, Le I think it's pronounced, Penelope Cruz film, which was okay. okay. Um, I'm presuming that's a Spanish film. Yeah, yeah. Um, Blue Beetle I mentioned The Innocent or Innocence I can't remember what that is it's a French film didn't make enough of an impression obviously yeah. um, A Fire which is a nice little small German drama um, recommendable Brother small a low budget American film which was about two brothers one of whom is killed and then uh, it's about the relationship in the family how they're coping with that a Romanian film called Rmn, which is obviously an abbreviation of Romanian yeah. interesting Ken Loach He's retired, but no, yes. he's back. The Old Oak, which I thought was very Ken Loach. Okay, It's low budget, but really good drama. It's about Syrian refugees moving to a yeah desolate um, backwater in northeastern England, uh, a, a dead town with nothing happening, and you know people from totally different cultures coming together and finding some human connection and some yeah some some, some yeah. connections in general. Cocaine Bear, I think, was last year, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, that was yeah. I haven't yeah, seen you enjoy
0: it. that one. Or, you must have seen that. I haven't seen it. It's about a bear who takes cocaine. Yeah, I know what it's about. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, the the reviews I saw weren't particularly good, so I thought oh, if
0: I if I may get around to that, but it wasn't high up enough the list to uh, watch. It's quite funny, that it's not a great film. To yeah. Watch. Um, and then beyond that, we mentioned Saltburn. That was on the short list. Yeah. Uh, another female director, Emerald uh, Fresnel. Uh, as you said, Promising Young Woman was very good. This was, wasn't quite as good. I thought elements of it were very good. And the sense of place, yeah, uh, the, the urgency and the, uh, and the slight lingering sense of some kind of menace or something going yeah. on, can't quite see what it is, was really well done. I thought it maybe lost its way in the final act, but it was generally quite good. Um, recommendable. The killer. Um, which yeah,
1: is- I see. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I thought that was a bit, that's the new David feature. I thought it was good, but disappointing.
0: Yeah, it lacked, it lacked
1: something, didn't it? It's it, it, nothing really, it was very, it was kind of quite slow. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right. Very it, slow. It, it just, beginning. it wasn't, it, it, it was interesting. I mean, he's a killer and he, and I can understand it's the monotony of waiting around before you shoot someone. Yeah. Um, and then like that, backing man. up and moving off and all of that but i I just think I expect so much more from David Fincher. He's created so many incredible films over the years so yeah. when it, a new a new film for him for me is an event it's almost like a Nolan film or something and that just wasn't it it it, it was all right it yeah, was good, I'm...
0: it was watchable. I'll probably never watch it again. It's a strange sort of film, isn't it? The whole fastidious. Based on being...
1: a comic, French comic, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And you can sort of tell it's got that element. He's he's sitting in some sort of uh, disused high-rise, uh, well, sort of upper-level apartment, overlooking a, a you know scenic view in Paris, and something's going on. And as you said, he's waiting around, doing lots of yoga-based activity, yeah. stretching activity, and that's
1: about half the film. Is that? Yeah.
0: yeah. And he's just this meticulous. He, he's ba- basically a Fastidious, meticulous, overly clean kind of guy who's yeah. covering his tracks to a ridiculous degree. Um, still, there's a way he finds to end up in a perilous situation. But yeah, it's Michael Fassbender as the as the. Yeah. Um, there was another Chicken Run film which I thought was a bit underwhelming actually. The boy in the heron was shortlist for me yeah. along with I do like Ghibli, as we know. We've I love about it. About. I haven't said Charles. Yeah,
1: I've heard my my youngest daughter went and saw it in the cinema, and she said I liked it. It was good, but it was a bit weird, even by Ghibli standards. her review.
0: <laughs> I liked it. It was a bit yeah. It was all right. I, I quite I liked it. I would watch it again, but I don't think it's one of his ultimate classics. No, okay. Horses thinks the same as well, by the way, and she's Japanese. So you yeah. know. Um. And, um, yeah, there's a new chicken on film, whatever. The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry, which was Jim Broadbent, suddenly deciding to go walking from Devon to Scotland to see a, an old colleague who'd helped him out of a really awkward situation. He felt obliged to help her out. And the whole notion is that he's going to walk and she's suffering from terminal cancer. And the idea is that she's going to hang on until he gets yeah. and she he, he contacts the the hospice that she's in and the messages are getting through, and apparently she's perked up, and she's yeah. hanging on. Um, meantime, his wife is not too impressed with this. Um, it's Jim Broadbent, Penelope Wilton as the yeah. wife. Uh, both fantastic actors. Yeah, That's they're great. Good. Um, it's, it's good. It's quite formulaic. A um, 1001, which was interesting, it's about a, a Hispanic, uh, sort of black Hispanic, a black Hispanic single mum who's been in prison and, and nabs her son, we think it's the sun anyway uh and then it's about the drama and the story as it unfolds interesting not not bad may december very disappointed with that actually i, I really didn't engage with it i do I quite like it's todd haynes who did oh Beltline, yeah Beltline, which was all right and it's very visceral yeah. and visual um he did he, he's got a very strong uh liking for 50s melodramas by a guy called Douglas Sirk who had this very strong poignant and very distinct sense of um poisoned middle America a you know, middle class America yeah. with really barbed underlying details so for example hidden homophobic uh sorry yeah. homosexuality uh Rock Hudson who is gay himself uh yeah. in of his films playing a guy who was who was trying to be pretend to be straight when he was gay and stuff like that. Yeah. And very, very autumnal, very, very um beautifully shot films. And he, he did a film called Far From Heaven, which was really good. Oh yeah. He did Carol, which was brilliant with Rimara. Yeah. Um this I was really disappointed because his recent stuff's been so good. It's okay. about um, a couple and he's much younger than her and it and at the time when they got together he was underage. So essentially yeah, rape. and they had a, co- uh, a, a, a twins, uh, so they had a, a family, and they're still together. and It's about a, an actress who's gone to visit them and try and find out a bit more about them. Yeah, she's engaged in a role she's doing for, for a TV drama series, which is uh played by um Nasty Portman Julianne, oh, okay, Walker, the, playing the rapist <laughs> for Yes, and it's I found it really boring actually. Okay, I was quite disappointed. Yeah, it's not on my list. No, I wouldn't worry um Three other films I wanted to mention as well. I've got quite a long list here, but um one was um a man called Otto, which I think I did mention earlier. Yeah. So remake of a Swedish film. Tom Hanks, Swedish, isn't it? Tom Hanks. Good film. Saw it last night. Um, yeah. I've been meaning to see it for quite a while. It's it's actually a really engaging film. It's about a guy who's very grouchy and very picky and meticulous and correcting all the recycling bins. Yeah. by the local neighbours and you could see he's a miserable old bastard. And then of course gradually you find out why he's feeling like yeah. that. And he has a a couple that are renting a place across the street who impose themselves and their their kind of annoying but rather lovable characteristics on him. And slowly he's kind of warmed to them. Yeah and obviously through that you then find out more about his past. Interesting story. Hanks is always good. Uh, nice story. The original film's pretty good as well, called A Man Called Ove, um, and this is A Man Called Otto. So same thing. Um, Sisu. Did you see that? You, I bet you saw that. Yeah, no, uh, it
1: was quite fun. It was. I'd, I'd had it built up and sort of hyped up a little bit, so I was yeah, expecting a bit same. of a cult classic. Um and it didn't quite reach those standards, oh but it was very watchable. I, there's it's there's a Finnish nice. film. It's incredibly violent. It's a sort of Finnish World War Two film about this guy who's uh, basically an an new, uh, um, the next commander
0: turned road the
1: Nazis pick a fight with him and say so he's basically a one arm, one man army that goes back. Yeah, it takes them on. It's quite short. It's only about over just over an hour long, I think. But it's worth it's worth if you if if that sounds
0: interesting to you, it's worth watching. It's not classic, but it's fun. I think it's an hour twenty something like that. Yeah, yeah basically like bitching Nazis uh, to put it bluntly. Yeah, <laughs> and trying to get gold uh, and yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it wanted to be a classic cult film, didn't it? They didn't quite do it. No, it got some enjoyment to it. I think it's still worth seeing. It's on. Yeah. Sky Cinema, I think that one, um, and and another cult classic, and um, Fallen Leaves. Have, have you seen that or have I've you? Not even heard of it. Fallen Leaves is by a guy called uh, I think it's Aki Kuristama, I think his name is. He's a Finnish director, so it's Finnish, yeah. and he does these really offbeat, sort of black comedy kind of films. They're they're very deadpan. All his characters are very deadpan, and they're a bit kind of not much happens in the story it's a lot of people standing around looking meaning meaningful stares. but there's a really good little undercurrent current of humor to it this particular one it's about a woman who's working in a supermarket and she gets sacked for um taking out of date food that was just going to get binned and she takes it home yeah not because she's desperate for the food as such but she doesn't like things going to waste gets sacked Meantime, there's a guy who's a, an alcoholic construction worker and factory worker and various other things who just flits from job to job. And they've got this really bizarre... They, they meet each other and there's a really deadpan interaction that's a romance, but it's not a romance. And then they he loses her number as soon as he gets it and she thinks he didn't bother to call, but he has actually yeah. lost the number. And meantime, he keeps getting sacked from jobs and necking loads of um, hard liquor and you've got this backdrop of she keeps listening to the radio with all news about the in- Ukrainian invasion. By yeah. the so there's this interesting little notion oh, okay. and you've got this, this karaoke scene and you've got these odd, odd scenes. That are so deadpan, but it's a cult thing. And I think for anyone that knows his films uh, and if they love his films, they'll like this. It's very much nice yeah. stuff. What's interesting about it is that um, there's a band in it who apparently are a a real up-and-coming new band, female band, and they've got this kind of navel gazy kind of style. Of,
2: yeah,
0: it's almost like indie blondie music. <laughs> so yeah, doing indie navel-gazing style, and they're actually pretty good. And I want to find yeah. out about them. Apparently, they're a real band. That was their first. Oh, song. It's on the film, and that's the Fallen Leaves. It's called. This is the film okay? And, uh, it's very close to my top five as well. Oh, fantastic! I've got do you want my wife's top
1: five as well. Can I go through a few films? First? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. please. Yeah. So I've got a list of other things uh, worth watching. So in the action movie stakes, um, films that we haven't mentioned uh, on Netflix, uh, Extraction 2 came out. Uh, if oh, you've yes, seen Extraction with. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. I thought the second one came out. It's it's a it's a completely over the top action film. It's got a lot more CGI and a lot less stunts but it's great fun. It's, it's a fun, it? I yeah. really, I genuinely really enjoyed that. That's a, that's I think it was cool. quite. First one was great as well. Um, another one that I quite enjoyed was a French film, uh, The Three Musketeers, D'Artagnan. I quite enjoyed that. Well, there's, there's a follow up film coming out, uh, The Three Musketeers, Milady. I think c- coming out some point soon it's another it's another version of the three musketeers but whereas most version Mm. of the three musketeers it's got vincent cassell is one of them Hmm. Hmm. Um, for for most versions of the three musketeers i've seen have been sort of 70s and 80s and 90s versions have been a bit cartoony this is a lot grimmer and a lot darker the sort of versions that we've seen before I, i enjoyed that um uh, on the drama films, I, I, I quite enjoyed uh, Haunting in Venice, the third uh, of the Poirot um, films with Kenneth Branagh. It was a bit of a strange one. It was kind of a ghost story one. And it, yeah. I don't know, he 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 used a lot of what they call, I think it's, you understand this better than me, Dutch angles where they get these really weird shots from the corners of rooms and things like that. But it certainly, it, I mean, it, it wasn't a classic, but it, it was worth watching. And it certainly built up quite a lot of tension. I enjoyed that.
0: Have yeah. you seen that? I've not seen that one. Now I've seen no. the ones, so but I've not seen that one yet. Yeah, we had
1: a new genre of film in 2023, which had never happened before. We had the product launch film. <laughs> uh, so that we one. had we had the film called Air about Air Jordans, uh, which with Ben Affleck, uh, yeah. which was great. We had the Tetris film with T- Taryn Egerton. I genuinely enjoyed that too. We had the BlackBerry film. Uh, which was also really good and even we had the Flaming Hot Cheetos film directed by Eva Lingoria which was also quite good fun as well. I I mean it's not something that's ever really happened before but now there seems to be a whole of this is a new product from your past that you may remember we're going to do the film about
0: how it was launched
1: Um, (laughs) and I watched four of
0: them last year and they were
1: all really good fun.
0: (laughs) Brilliant I've I've not even heard of any of that to be honest Um, apart from the uh... Branner film, um,
1: so interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the, oh, yeah, in the in the uh, science fiction, fantasy, horror, um, there was a science fiction film by Gareth Edwards called The Creator, which I genuinely enjoyed. It's a sort of new science fiction film. It's not a franchise. It's not a sequel. It's not linked to a book. It's a it's a new idea. Um, this is the guy that if, if this last film was Rogue One, Star Wars film, uh, by far the best of the recent Star Wars films. Um, that was really interesting. Uh, there were a couple of bits in it that um, had me. It felt like it had been quite cut when I watched it. It felt like a certain scenes. You know, when you watch a film, you feel like a couple of scenes have been taken out and some, it seemed to go a bit too quick in places. It felt a bit like that. But it was a genuinely interesting science fiction film and they created a world which I found really, you know, it was beautifully made, very good to look at, very well done. Um another science fiction film which was quite fun was they climbed they cloned Tyrone, which was on Netflix, John Boyega and Jamie Foxx. It's a bit like Get Out, it's a real sort of black exploitation film, but with a really weird sort of science fiction, uh, racial undercurrent. That was quite interesting. Um Guys in the Galaxy Three was good fun. It was again, it was too long. Um but it it, yeah. it it was fun. I loved I've the first that, two. Well, I've seen the first two. Yeah, the first two it's more of the same. Um, hmm. It was good fun. Um, one film I absolutely loved, which I really did not expect to, um, was Dungeons and Dragons film, Honor Among Thieves. Blimey! It. I went and saw it with a cinema. I was having a weekend away with my kids in Winchester. We went to a cinema in Eastleigh for the night to watch it, and we all absolutely loved it. It is genuinely hilarious. It's one of oh. the best. It, it's a blockbuster that, or a flop, blockbuster because I don't think it made very much money. It's a real nerdy sort, sort of fantasy film with sort of the look. If you know the Dungeons and Dragons world, it's that sort of thing. But it's got, um, you know, a lot of sort of Hugh Grant being Hugh Grant um, in it as a, as playing a baddie, which he also did in Hugh Grant. At the moment, is one of the he's, he's kind of niche hasn't he with this now he, he he was in a Jason Stanton film last year also called operation fortune moves together we played a baddie in he was brilliant in that in the, this, new, this he's absolutely brilliant and hilarious he was also brilliant and hilarious in Wonka which I'll get to shortly um he's having a real renaissance at the moment yeah, if you I'm want something good. really funny and a good comedy film to to watch I genuinely I absolutely love Dungeons and Dragons um a, there's also uh, horror films. They're a bit of a disappointed year for horror. A couple that were, I found quite interesting. Um, there was Megan, which was a film about a an andro- killer android, which is a little was bit a little predictable, right well. but it was quite fun. Yeah. I also quite like Talk to Me, which is an Australian film, which, which you can watch on Netflix, about about a group of teenagers that get hold of this sort of and that when you hold on to it for a certain amount of time, you can Mm -hmm. see dead people. uh, And uh, obviously being teenagers, they go a bit too far and things start happening. That was great. um, In the comedy world. Right. So I thought Wonka was brilliant. Have you seen it?
0: I've not seen it for logistical reasons. Very frustratingly, I couldn't get to see it. When I saw it was coming out, I thought, oh, another Wonka thing. Then I saw the trailer and thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. See, Timothy Chalamet
1: is a bit disappointing, but everything else about it is fantastic. If you've watched, it's done by the same guys that did the Paddington films, so it shares a lot of that DNA. If you've ever watched Horrible Histories or the Ghosts TV series, it's Mm -hmm. basically the same cast as that, and they also write quite a lot of it. They're all in it. Oh, brilliant oh, yeah good. yeah um and it, it was just a lovely 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 film and for me to say that about a musical yeah it's yeah. well worth watching i loved it it was great um it another comedy i i enjoyed um it's had quite a bad press, so I wasn't expecting very much. I watched it and I quite enjoyed it. Was Next Goal Wins the new Taika Waititi film about the American Samoan football team with Michael Fassbender becoming their coach? It was a sports film, it was about the worst football team in the world. It was all a bit predictable, yeah, but it was in a kind of sweetness to it. It wasn't a classic, but it's worth watching, and it was genuinely
0: quite funny, yeah. Um, and there's a documentary from 10 years ago. Yeah, the project, with the same title, and that's um, interesting too. The yeah.
1: funniest film that I watched in the whole of twenty twenty three, and no one's mentioned, and came very close to my top five, is a film called Champions. Mm, don't know that. So um, it's about a disabled basketball team. It's a, with Woody Harrelson, who is who gets is an alcoholic who gets sacked from his normal roles, and he has to has a kind of. Doing his community service he has to coach this disabled basketball team who who are played by real disabled uh, actors yeah. and it, it it's hilarious uh, but it's really sweet as well and i thoroughly recommend it nobody's mentioned it no one's really heard of it i think it's a remake of a spanish film wow. but it's genuinely hilarious watching a load of disabled uh basketball team how they all form friendships and relationships. Um, and this, and some of it i mean it's one of the, it's a bit of a tearjerker it's really nice really good sport film absolutely hilarious uh, it's the funniest film i saw in the year um and lastly uh animated films um i mentioned it briefly earlier um it's not really my genre at all but that spider-man against across the spider-verse i watched it my kids at the cinema um I thought it was, that was great. It was the the art in it is incredible. You have to have watched the first one. Mm-hmm. You have to understand Spider Man to quite a high degree. It's quite long. It's about another two and a half, two and three and three, four hours or whatever, which is quite long for an animation. But if you can get your head into that world and understand what's going on, it's a very, very, very good film indeed. Um, I quite enjoyed Elemental, the new Pixar film. It wasn't a classic. It was okay. Um, and finally, um, another uh, film that hasn't really been mentioned very much is a Japanese uh, anime film called Suzume, which is very, very similar to a um, kind of Ghibli type film. Right. It's a bit of a. It's a really we saw that at the cinema. Uh, it's a bit like it's it's a bit of a sort of fairy tale about a a girl who goes travelling with a a guy who's turned into a three legged stall. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know understand good. um it, it, <laughs> as it, you do i really enjoy i really enjoyed that as well not really, yeah but that, yeah. That, that's it for my
0: list brilliant yeah i mean i, I put in boots as well that was this year was last year the last yeah. that, last yeah. that was all right that was quite yeah, fun. it was all right yeah
2: um
0: there's one film in fact there's two films on netflix which i found only last night too late to watch uh one i can't remember the name of anyway which seems to be an edgy british london-based kind of drama thing i'm not sure what that that was called but i'll I'll come back to that later maybe if i remember it the other one's called rustin i think uh, which is i think it's someone with that surname it's about a civil rights thing from the 50s um, which is also on netflix um which i've not seen yet apparently it's uh it got some critical acclaim whatever that means and um it might be nominated for something somewhere um I was going to say for next uh, for, for this for the next year that we cover the twenty twenty four. There's already been some good films. One Life was worth watching. Uh, the Holdovers was very good from the guides. Yeah, uh, I heard good things about he that. We made, made Sideways, which is fantastic. All of Us Strangers, which you did actually mention earlier, as well. We'll get onto that when we do this this time next year. Sure, those are all very good. Um, but myler other half uh, has also given her list. Um yeah. she said. Uh, essentially she, she had to make a correction with it she she went uh initially at number five was at fire the one of the films i mentioned she changed that to close which is the uh the, yeah. the, the drama thing i'm um, swedish uh, the, the drama um film from belgium sorry yeah. um she went for fallen leaves the finnish guys direct director at number four junkhead at number three which i had okay she went for past lives at number two and she went for women talking at number one oh, okay um, and shortlisted in no particular order, she went for a fire uh, reality, um, which I can't remember what that one was actually. Plan seventy five, the one about the Japanese euthanasia. Yeah. scenario. the boy in the heron, a man called Otto, which we only saw last night. Yeah, Saltburn, which was was very good. Um, and she also said Marcel the Shell, which is on. Um films that we missed which disqualifies us from quoting in the top five, but which we would really have liked to have seen are The Great Escaper, which I've already mentioned. Yeah. Roy Lane, which is a low budget British comedy. Yeah. Uh, obviously set in the uh, in, in Britain. Uh
1: I watched another um talking about British films with a female director, I watched another one that was quite fun called Polite Society. Ah, was it well, was it High Society? Well,
0: Ply- if have you, have
1: you ever watched "We Are Lady Parts," the comedy on Channel Four, it's done by the same people. Yeah. Uh, about the about the, uh, the about the 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 Muslim yeah. rock band, and this was a very very strange film. It was almost like a kung fu film, but set in a world where families are trying to arrange their kids for marriage, and they're all trying to outdo the Joneses. Hey, that was good fun. I think it was
0: oh, classic. I, cool. I love it um yeah by the half um her other ones were blue gene i can't remember what that is but and, and eileen which was one which kermode was raving about i really need to see that apparently it's one okay. of the you know, one, of, one of the tops so um eileen is one we should all look out for actually but there we go that's her list as i said didn't source There's any a lot of
1: films we've talked about there. isn't it
0: yeah i mean i think it was a really good year for films yeah most of it is kind of fairly low-key um i like
1: i like that it's nice to i'd rather have a film that i don't expect much of Hmm. blow me away or think i didn't expect that to be that good rather than come into some hyped up new blockbuster with anything i'm not going to get them two hours back am i exactly
0: (laughs) three hours back in hours it seems to be four hours or yeah and on the subject of um Female directors. I mean, I have four out of five were in my list, which I hadn't looked at until I started talking about them, and suddenly realised. I thought, oh, that's good. And what I most like about that is there's so many other female directors who are out there now doing well who aren't Sophia Coppola. I can't stand her stuff. A Lost in Translation was all right. The Virgin She Suicide. hasn't really done much recently, has she? Oh, she's done Priscilla. That's just come out. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I just don't, I can't. As I said, Virgin Suicide's Lost in Translation. She's were a better
1: right. director than she is an actor.
0: Gosh, it was awful, wasn't she? <laughs> oh, no, what's it called now? Something else, isn't it? Yeah. They so bad they had to rename the film. That tells you all you need to know about The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's great to see that you don't have to cling to just a small number of names. And yeah. And speaking of long films as well, there's something coming out. Um, Steve McQueen, who's always... Oh, it, he's great, and yeah. 12 Years a Slave and all the... Small um, acts, yeah. Small Axe yeah. All stuff, yeah. Um, he's got a new thing out, which is um, it's, it seems to be a historical document, and it's something like four and a half hours long. And it, it might be it's it's on at the local cinema near me. I might go and see it next weekend. I've got no idea what that's going to be about, but it's about four and something hours long. There's an interval, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> um, that's an officially sanctioned interview as well. Uh, interval as well. I hasten to add. Okay. Yeah. I uh, know so he, he's kind of very artsy and eclectic. Well, he and, is an artist, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. literally an artist as yes. well. Yeah. Yeah. But there we go. So that's that. Um, Fantastic.
1: Phil, Thank you very much for listening.
0: Yeah. And, and the next sub, oh, by the way, yeah, uh, contact us if you want to. We're on um, on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Film and Five One. Film 5 is isn't it? Yeah. handles. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. Um, let us know if you've got any comments. If you want to rate us, by the way, especially on Apple and Spotify. You oh, can yes, do- please. It's harder to find on Spotify, to be honest, but it is there. You can rate it. Yeah, watch it out. Give us a five star review. That'd be great. We can yeah just up our ratings. Why not? Why not? Yeah, it? That'd be great. Any comments as well? Chuck those in. Doesn't really matter what you say, but um, any feedback is welcome. And um, what we haven't done, Phil, so far is a regional themed as uh, no. in regions of the world. We're so going to
1: change that now. After
0: no. is it three years we've been doing this for now? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. We were debating. There was a number of different national cinemas or, uh, yeah. or um, con- continental cinemas that we were talking about. And we've uh, decided on one, haven't we? we settled on our first one. Yeah. And it is going to be... South America. Indeed.
1: The cinema yeah. of which I know very little. So I mean, yeah. I'll be holding to mainly Argentinian and Brazilian yeah. films, I believe, but I'm sure they're... Uh, uh, there Must be Uruguayan and Chilean and et cetera, et cetera, out there. I will have to start doing some research. A nice <laughs> little project to keep me busy for the next uh, month or two,
0: yeah. Uh, same here. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got what 10 or 11 nations to pick from. I don't know how prominent cinema is in some of those nations. Uh, that's yeah. for us to find out. It's an odyssey and adventure. Um, Brazilian cinema, of course, a lot of people might know some of their films, Argentinian, Fernando well. Morelli's, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chilean films, there was a there was a documentary semi doc documentary type thing that was on um about pinochet i can't remember what it's called now and apparently it's a seminal classic of documentary filmmaking okay and it's it's in several parts they've done it as kind of like film after yeah film, after film. And i was going to get buy it from the bfi and they'd just gone out of print sold their oh, last okay. print, whatever it was um, and it was going to cost a ludicrous amount of money anyway yeah. So I don't know what that is, and I don't know if I'll remember, and it probably won't end up on my list on a It's not City of God, is it? No, 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 no. no <laughs> not like that. No, uh, City of God might make, get a mention. It, it will be in there. there. Yeah, yeah. We are also going to do an update. We haven't done one for ages of our uh, golden seagulls.
1: Yeah, we need to we need to sort that
0: out. Yeah, we need to work it's out it's how we're going to do it and then we we'll do well. it.
1: We yeah. need to work out the kind of the the process for it, and then
0: yeah, we're still formulating our notions on this one, aren't we? And that may we may pop up with that next, or yeah. if not, we'll do the South American cinema. One of those will be our next one. Um, yeah. So until then, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, as always.
1: Go watch Mission Impossible, if you haven't already.
0: And Junkheads. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch that, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So until next time, Phil, thanks. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. And uh, that wraps it up, so cut.